0: Radio. Ladies
1: and gentlemen, boys and girls, step right up. Behind this curtain lies a ghastly concoction of delight, horror, fantasy, and terror.
0: Your every wish is our command. Your every whimsical desire brought to life. But I'm warning you.
2: Always welcome welcome to to the the and welcome back to the greatest show on earth that is talking terror. As always, I'm your old pal, the king of horror, Andy G. Welcome you back to this episode of the show where tonight... We're going to be covering my film pick of the week, Evil Dead Rise, from 2023, directed by Lee Cronin. But before we get to all that, I have to make another announcement. The Demonic Dean will not be with us again this week. Uh, just didn't have time to adequately prepare for the show. So hopefully he'll be back next week once we cover the Ghoul Geek Keith film pick of the week. But speaking of him, let's introduce him, the bold and the beautiful, the Ghoul Geek Keith.
1: I'm with the maggots now. What up, everybody? And welcome once again to a uh, another wild and crazy episode or or, or show of of talking terror. Hello,
2: we're always glad to have you. Hello, hello. I'm always glad to be here. I'm glad to be here with the I'm Glad to be here with you guys listening at home. Whether you listen live or you listen to the podcast or follow us on Instagram or Facebook, we're always happy to have you guys aboard. And always, if you have any suggestions for us, hit us up on Instagram. I know, I know that the Dean's more about the IG stuff, you know, hitting up all the goth girls. Hasn't gotten me a single number yet, but you know what? One of these days, that guy's going to do it well for me. But until then, you know, I, I'm off on the Facebook page, cruising around, adding things. So got plenty to talk about tonight, of course, before we get into <laughs> Evil Dead Rise. Um, so... I mean, there's plenty to talk about. We want to talk about Lisa Frankenstein because we didn't get the chance to talk about it last week because we spent 45 minutes talking about wrestling because fuck it, why not? If it's Me and the ghoul, we're going to talk about wrestling. Um, but this is actually interesting for the ghoul himself because AMC Theaters just announced that starting on Friday, January 26th, you'll be able to go see Godzilla Minus One Minus Color for one week in Nice.
1: Theater. Very cool, very, very cool. So, very happy to hear that. I've been waiting for that announcement, and uh yes, you know that uh that will definitely get me to the theater for what will be now the uh the third time uh that I will be seeing that movie.
2: Well, that's a you know third time's a charm, and now it's in black and white, so I know a lot of people are excited to see that in that format. Um, I knew that you were looking forward to the announcement, but it just got announced today, so hot off the presses today from AMC Theatres. Uh they're gonna be doing that starting next week. Just for one week only, folks, just like the original Godzilla Minus One. So if you wanna check it out in black and white, you got a week to do so. So exciting yeah, stuff I on
1: mean, that front. Uh, 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 I'm not surprised. I yeah. I know they want that movie to uh to break the the hundred thousand mark. Uh I'm not sure if it hit that yet. Uh mm-hmm. it might have. Um either way, again it's it's not like it's it doesn't feel like oh no it did it's it's hit the hundred million, so it's kinda cool that they're they're doing this because I mean this is oh. definitely gonna b- bump up your your numbers quite a bit. I feel from like an artistic standpoint um you know I know there's there's uh a number of different ways that minus one can be looked at um some people i, I you know, you can look mm-hmm. at it almost like as if it's a prequel to the original film um even though it not necessarily is, but it could be taken that way. Uh, and, and if you look at the film style of the movie, I know you haven't seen it yet, so I'm, I'm not trying to, to, to ruin anything. No, yeah. the, the, film, the film does lend itself to also possibly having sequels. Uh, Shin Godzilla did the same thing as well, and unfortunately that didn't happen, but that also did not have the same level of, of success uh, on a mainstream mm-hmm. level, the way this this film has no Japanese movie has no Godzilla film ever has, um, and that includes the uh, the the the, the Legend verse ones. So the the Legendary Universe, whatever the fuck they call that one. Um, so yeah, I feel like because of the way the film was already shot and the style of camera work. I feel like in black and white it's going to make it even feel more like that 1950s style of film. So, you know, it's just uh, obviously it'll probably have like better contrast and a better a better overall look. It won't have that saturation, saturated feel like the original Godzilla has at times. But, uh, but yeah, wow, yeah, I'm, I'm fucking thrilled. I'm so happy to hear this. So it will, uh, I've been lazy. I have not used my A-list pass since, you know, since prior to, to Christmas. So I definitely, uh, I'm paying for it. So I, I should definitely be using it.
2: Yeah, and I was going to ask you about that as well with, with uh, Godzilla Minus One. Did it feel like something that has potential to have a sequel, or did it feel like a one-off, like this is the, the story of how Godzilla got created, and that's the only reason why it's here?
1: No, I feel like they uh, definitely leave it to where, you know, there is a uh, definitely the ability to give us another film, without a doubt, you know, if they so choose. Um, they, they may not, you know, that, that again is, is always, you know, a a, a thing, like I said, Shin Godzilla, you know, spoilers, um, you know, which we love doing Mm -hmm. here, but like, you know, if, if you watch Shin Godzilla, (laughs) you know, I, I don't remember, did you ever see that one?
2: I did. Yeah. Yep.
1: Okay, so, so Shin Godzilla, as you see, is the monster is evolving constantly throughout the film. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he changes from one form into another, into another, and so forth, and so forth. And, you know, what we see by the end of the film, um, almost like smaller variations of the creature, almost humanoid, in their look, mm-hmm. were starting to form on the tail of the creature. Um. So that film obviously was, was leading towards something. They, they were thinking sequel of some sort, I think. Um, it just didn't happen. Um, you know and, and, and in this case, I think you know again, they have the potential there for the sequel. It could be done. It could be done very easily, but it depends, mm-hmm. you know, A, the success of it, which we've seen, so we're not really worried about that. And B, whether or not the studio is is willing to to, to put it together to do it, I, I would think them foolhardy to do so. From an artistic standpoint, I would love for them to not. You know, I would love for them to just be like, <laughs> you know what, this movie is one and done, and uh, and that's it. But you know, we'll we'll get a sequel, and I what I hope is is that it's of the same quality. But I think it'll be hard to match.
2: Well, that's yeah. Yeah, that's important when it comes to sequels uh, and follow-ups is the quality, whether it takes a dip or a dive, as we've seen with many sequels, doesn't always stand up, you know, compared to the first one. But, you know, I think I'm kind of in your camp where I kind of hope that they just do Godzilla minus one and that's it. It's just kind of one of those one and done type situations. Like, we know we're not going to do any better than this one, so... You know, we're not going to tell any more stories, but I mean there could always be Godzilla movies, but uh, as far as like Godzilla minus one, that's it. Just, we told our story, nothing left to say here, and move on. But, like I said, next week, uh, save for one week only in black and white, and uh, obviously the goal is excited, and I'm going to see if I can check it out myself, because I even said, if if it gets released in the U.S. in black and white, I'm definitely going to want to check it out. Um, But, Moving from one franchise to another, because I do have a couple franchise news bits uh, that we could talk about for a little bit. This one just exciting just because you're on the air, and I just love trashing this one. Uh, and that's uh, The Exorcist Believer uh, that came out last year. Um, pretty much 10th the box was, office. It made a little over $100 it, million that, based off of 400000000 million. Wasn't that your
1: number one film from 2023? <laughs> you would think so, but it wasn't.
2: I mean, it was the number one shittiest movie I think I'd seen in the theater. But, uh, you know, like I said, it made over $100 million, but uh, that's Universal sank, uh, sank a $400 million into getting the rights. Um, but it was just announced last week that David Gordon Green is officially stepping away from the director's chair, uh, not going to be doing the follow-up, The Deceiver, which is supposed to come out in 2025, but, of course, uh, Universal has also completely taken that movie off of its slate of upcoming releases. David Gordon Green, of course, doing that thing before uh, the movie kind of really just sank into the low grade of reviews, basically saying that he just wasn't thinking about coming back for the sequel, that he had other things going on, and he trusts it in other people's hands. Um, just, I was so happy when I heard that news because I just can't believe how fucking bad The Believer was. That I can't imagine anybody <laughs> wanting to see Deceiver. And being like, yeah, Deceiver, hell yeah.
1: Yeah, I, uh, yeah. Uh, listen, I, uh... Don't get me wrong, you know, have I been harsh on films over the course of my life? Yeah, of course. I watch so many movies. Um, you know, and I, I know for years we'll, we'll always say, oh, we're not really a review site. You know, we just like to discuss films. And that that is true to a point, but I do also think that, you know, we being that we throw our opinions out the way that we do, we obviously do have some level of, of review that occurs whenever we're covering a movie in any way. Now we didn't cover, uh, believer, um, but we all did go see it being that, you know, we, as, a, a, a show really all love the original exorcist film. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I, it's one of those, you know, movies that gets up there as far as, you know, close to what I would consider a perfect horror film. Um, that being said, you know, again, I, I can be harsh on movies at times, but like, you know, there there is being yeah, okay. harsh on the film, and then there is, you know, hey, I just watched a straight piece of shit Uh, that was put on celluloid and just simply used the name of a beloved franchise. And that is absolutely 100% what Exorcist Believer did. You know, I know, and it's scary, because there are people that, that actually do... I don't think they really like the movie. I think there's just uh, that that group of people that like to sit there and argue it like this was like a film that had some kind of like potential to it, and maybe somewhere, maybe mm-hmm. somewhere, if you dive deep into whatever the original idea of what this movie could be was, maybe that potential was there. But I don't think it was there for very long because I think the movie just got bogged down by trying to live up to an expectation that it was never going to achieve.
2: Oh, not not at all. And uh, I remember when the, the trailers first started coming out, I was cautiously optimistic that it could be a possibly good movie. Um, but, again, that's just being fooled by a trailer. Uh, as we've talked around in the show many times, trailers will often show you the best parts or parts that aren't even in the final film just to get you in the seat. Um, with Exorcist Believer, I kind of agree with you where I felt like this was a case of Hellraiser sequels where back in the 90s, Hellraisers were constantly coming out because they would just put Pinhead in it because he was an IP. So we have this script. It's not very good. How can we sell it? We'll put Pinhead in it. Uh, And I feel like that's what happened with Exorcist Believer. Like We have a script. It's not very good. It's just a bland possession movie. How can we beef it up? Well, let's get Ellen Burstyn in here uh, and we'll have her be her character from the original Exorcist and, and that'll bring people in and it'll be good, but you know, like you had said, well, the problem with Believer is that there just wasn't really any heart or soul to that movie. Um, there wasn't even a fucking Exorcist proper. Uh, it was just a, a Marvel's Avengers type team-up at the end where they all put their Exorcist rings together, and they're like, all right, assemble, and uh, we're going to beat evil. Uh, just, it was just terrible, and the girl characters weren't very kind of captivating or anything kind of interesting about them? I mean, I don't know what your thoughts were on all that, but I just you know, there's just nothing that was good.
1: I mean, look again, you know, like I feel like the girls were serviceable in the roles that they were tasked to play. I really didn't have much fault mm-hmm. in them, you know, like and I think the sequence in the church was just as effective as unfortunately as I saw it in The trailer, Uh, again, one of those cases in which you have a moment that could have been, you know, a a decent surprise in an otherwise bland film, just ruined by the fact like, hey, we wanted to show you this in the trailer so that you say, oh, I'm going to go there to see it, because you know what, if this is what they're showing me, there's going to be more, and well, no, no, there's not, there's no more, because a already showed you exactly what you needed to see. Um, but yeah, no, I think my my biggest issue with the film is, and like I'll sit there and say, every time I see it come up on any kind of like Facebook thing or whatever, you know, you don't want to ruin the movie, well, here's an idea, with an exorcist. That's what mm-hmm. we followed in the first film. You know, that, that's, and, and we saw it in the first three movies when you look at them. The first film, following yeah. the Exorcist. What did what did the second film do? The second film went all over the place, following demons and all this other fucking lore and all this other crazy shit with like nonsensical style fucking stuff to the point that it's almost like uh, it's almost an, an illegible film to even watch. But you know how they made the third movie good by going back to it being about an Exorcist. So, if the movie is called "The Exorcist," mm-hmm. then you know who your your important character is not the girls being possessed. Ooh, it's two this time. No, the important character is developing the person that needs to be the titular exorcist who is going to be having to have a either him or the person that's with him who's going to have the crisis of faith. You know, you wanted to bring all these other fucking people in, all these other religions. I thought that was a great idea. I was like, oh, cool. Let's have a whole cadre of fucking, you know, different styles of exorcists. We're getting woke. You know, there's not just one religion. Why does this Mm -hmm. have to be Catholicism? It doesn't have to be Christianity. I'm good with that. But you needed to establish at least one of them as the main character. And you never do that. So since we never follow any of them, we don't understand where any of them really come from. We're just told, well, they all don't like demons. So you know what? Demon be gone. Cool. Father Mm -hmm. Karras had fucking weakness. He was human. He was human. Mm -hmm. You know, that's why we love him.
2: That's why Jason Uh Miller did such a great fucking job in that character. And even Max von Sydow as Father Merrin, being the, Mm -hmm. the old... Embattled fucking exorcist who knows how evil this thing is, and is trying to deal with with Karis who doesn't really know how, because he's more of a psychological person where he got a degree in psychology and he thinks it's all just kind of mental. It's not really evil demons, um, and kind of has the shock of his fucking life when he has to confront all of these things. You know, his his uh, testing of his faith, um, and yeah, in, in Believer you do get a a, a priest. But he's just kind of an afterthought, where he just goes to the church to say he needs to do this exorcism. They turn him down, and then he just sits in his car uh, in the third act and just kind of prays until he's like, "All right, now they need me," and he's immediately killed.
0: <laughs> just, I don't even father. remember the guy's name.
2: I think it was Father Dante. Maybe <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, it was, this might be right. I think it was Father I, Dante. I'm sure. Zero fucking recollection. Yeah. Right? Because like I said, he, he really was an unimportant character. And, and you know what's sad is like that that demise that he had, you know, spoilers, Um, you know, was actually <laughs> one of the better parts of the film. Because like I loved it. I loved him. Like you saw it coming a mile away. You know, so it was just great. It was a lot of fun. I'm glad they delivered on that. And, you know, look, I didn't go into that movie hoping it would be a bad movie. Like, you know, like, I don't go, like, just because oh. I might have a bad bad vibe about something or a bad feeling about it, believe me, I go into every film hoping that I'm going to be wowed and astonished and come away like, oh, my God, like, I can't believe that was as good. Like, I, like I saw Godzilla. Like, I went into minus one thinking to myself, man, I would just be, I would just be happy if it was, like, a decent Godzilla flick. That's all I cared about. Like, I just wanted it to be, like, a fun, Toho-style Godzilla flick. The fact that it was as great as Mm -hmm. it was, and then it makes me feel a little bit better to know that I'm not the only one that thinks it, being that you can see the success of the film. You know, so it is nice to know that, oh, okay, Keith, you're not just a fucking nut seeing something on your own. Um, But, you know, like, the the fact that 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 happened, like, those are the moments I love about film. Like, that's what I like about going to a movie. That's what I love going to the movie theater to see. That's what I like to to put on a film and watch. Like, I want to come away from every movie feeling that Mm -hmm. good. Oh, I would love that.
2: Oh, my God, I would love that. Every movie that I go see, the amount I go to, like you do, I would love to walk out of every fucking theater and just be like, that fucking movie ruled. I can't wait to tell everybody about it. I can't wait to see it again. I just love going to a theater, and when you're vibing on a fucking movie and you're in a theater with other people – And they're vibing on it, too. It's like a communal experience. Like, you're all there. You're all laughing. You're all getting scared. You're all having a good time. And then you walk out, and you just hear the individual conversation. Like, oh, what did you think about that scene? Can you believe that character? Like, how fucked up was that death scene? Like, it just – I live for those moments when you hear people leaving the theater and just still excitedly talking about what they just saw. Like, nothing could top that for me.
1: Nope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and, like, I I think with my my age – and just, you know, the way things are these days. Like, I don't know. Like, as much as, like, I, I love coming on here and talking and bullshit and whatnot, I find myself being a little less social at the theater than I used to be. Um, hey, mm-hmm. I don't like... Because like, uh, if I don't go with, with you know... What's this one grabbing her fucking crotch for? Jesus Christ, the things I see on TV. Um... <laughs> um the, uh... You know, if I don't go with the little monster, like I'm I'm hitting film solo, you know, and, and there's oftentimes like even again with with Godzilla, when I came out there were like two dudes walking in front of me and, like, they were talking, like, very excited about the movie and everything. And, like, there was that part of me that, like, wanted to jump in and, like, start having a conversation with them about it. And then there's the antisocial part of me that's like, man, I just want to get in my car and go home. Like, you know, like, I, I, I don't <laughs> <Yeah>. want to <laughs> yeah. get into, like, some long fucking, like, spend 45 minutes now talking to these dudes. Because sometimes what ends up happening is, is, like, you know, I might like it at first, but then comes the regret. Then comes the, like, oh, fuck, now I'm going to feel rude if I, like, leave at point or... Or whatever. Like, you know, do I just say what I want to say and then fucking drop my mic and go? Um, You know, but like, that's not how conversation works, you know? So I I think that is an age thing, though, for me, which which blows. Uh, I got to get better with it.
2: I don't think you could put me wrong though, because I mean, I'm gonna be 40 this year, and I'm the exact same way when I go to the theater. Like, I I like the communal experience. Like, I like being in a theater with people and kind of experiencing things at the same time. And I kind of like hearing them talk, like I said on the way out. But I don't want to be involved in those conversations. Like, I don't want somebody <laughs> to be like, "Hey, man, like how like did." <laughs> like, I don't want to be a like- part of it. I just want to go home, like you said. Yeah. No, it was great. And then I just like walk out the fire exit, and the alarm goes off, and I'm all embarrassed. But, yeah, no, I just – I can't do it. I just – I like hearing it, but I don't want to be a part of it because I don't feel like standing there for a half hour when I just want to go the fuck home and take a nap because I just saw a two-and-a-half-hour well, movie, and I'm tired.
1: <laughs> well, you know, it's, like, partly that, but then, like, the other thing, too, is, is like, I worry if, like, okay – like, I start talking about the film, right – And, like,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: I don't know, like, not everybody gets into movies the way we get into movies, you know? So, like, if they ask me, like, you know, a question or two, and, like, yeah, maybe they just want, like, a basic answer, but you know me. If I go off on, like, a fucking, you know, 12-minute fucking, like, rant on a film, like, it's going to be the automatic, like, what the fuck? Who the fuck is this retard? You know? So, so it's like sometimes people just want like a basic answer. And like that's happened to me before at the theater where it's like, you know, somebody will like mention something or whatever. Like I end up in like the conversation and then I go on like a long winded fucking thing talking about like, you know, how this movie relates to other films and like all this other stuff. And then they look at me like I'm out of my fucking mind. And they're just like, yeah, we liked the movie.
0: Like, Oh, okay.
2: Yeah, because we, we are not the same as other people that go to see movies. We're not, because we, we we're are snobbs. real kind of cinephiles in a sense. We are we're snobs, dead. absolutely. And the last time I got no conversation with anybody about a movie, recently anyway, was when I went to go see Ty West's ex movie. Um, and I was outside, and I was getting ready to leave, and then there was a group of people, they looked like they were in their 20s, and they were talking about it, and they were like, wow, like, that was pretty fucking original. Like, you know, I don't think I've ever seen anything like that. Like, wow. And I was like, I hate to interrupt you guys. I was like, you guys are having a great conversation, and I hope you keep talking about it, because I don't really want to be here that long. But you you do know that that movie was kind of inspired by, like, 70s exploitation, like, you know, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, a lot of the William Gerbler movies, and also it's kind of based off of Boogie Knights in a way with, with the porno aspect like, oh, oh, I haven't seen Boogie Nights. And I'm like, okay, well, let me tell you about Boogie Nights. And then it was just a dissertation for five minutes on Boogie Nights (laughs) and how it correlates with Texas Chainsaw Massacre and the rise of pornography on VHS compared to -to reel-to-reel in the 70s. They had no idea what I was talking about, and I realized, like, it's their eyes starting to glaze over. So I was like, all right, you guys have fun now. And I just fucking left and went in my car. And I was like, yeah, I can't have conversations with people like that anymore. (laughs) Andy, you're just a snob, and you want to talk about movies that they never never heard of fucking Wisa Wisa from 1973. It's a William Gerber classic, and they were just kind of, oh, all right, yeah. Just no, no, I can't do it. (laughs) That's why I just go to my car, keep my head down and walk out to the parking lot, except when I went to go see Halloween Ends and we fucking talked on the phone afterwards for like three hours about how bad that movie was. (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh, dude, the laughter bro that's all I remember was just that initial <laughs> fucking sound that came out of you I've never heard anything like that in all my life like, I've known uh, you for no, a lot I life. don't think I've ever laughed like that ever I've again. never ever heard you make that sound before <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know what
2: else to do other than laugh like a fucking psychopath like I was Joaquin Phoenix and Joker like, I was just I couldn't stop fucking laughing this how this fucking terrible that movie was. Um, but, yeah. And, uh, you know, and going back to just to wind up with David Gordon Green, Exorcist, it kind of made me soften on Halloween from 2018 a little bit. Like, I, I've softened on that movie over the years. I still don't think it's that great. But compared to Kills and Ends, I think it's just kind of like one of those stand-alone movies where I kind of wish it would just been one. Uh, and that's mm-hmm. it, and not have two other sequels. But I was like, you know what? It's not that bad. Like, it's not as bad as I first said it was. Kills, and, like, kills is just kind of fun if you just take everything away from it and just make it about Michael Myers killing people. Then it's kind of fun, and then and just kind of is a, a car crash. But Halloween 2018 is, is, is fine. Like, it's actually serviceable, you know? I didn't walk out of it like I walked out of a fucking believer going, what the fuck was that? Like, did they even know what the service material was? Like, what Michael Myers is? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, again, like I I never hated the 2018 film. You know, there were there were little bits and pieces about mm-hmm. it where I was like a little bit bothered by it, but you know, overall, like when I walked out of that movie, I was quite happy with it. Um we enjoyed it. We had a mm-hmm. good time. I, uh, more than that, I, I, that I totally did not feel like needed any kind of sequel. And, like, honestly, like, when you put them, like, yeah. you know, all together and we, we look at all the Halloween films as, as, as a whole, you know, to this day still, whatever, cult following with three or not, there is literally only one Halloween film that you need to see, which is the original. That is the only half you mm-hmm. see. Um, yeah. If you want to see something different. Watch three. You know, if you want to have something more akin to, like, the typical 80s slasher film, watch four. If you want to see something that, like, fits more into, like, what today's society sees as horror films, watch Rob Zombie's Halloween. And then if you want something that is, you know, what your typical, like, remake, follow-up, whatever they call these fucking sequels that come out 40 years later, you watch the 2018 film. I believe that you can skip two. I believe that you can skip five, six, seven, eight. Fucking, obviously, H2 can go fucking jump in a fucking pond somewhere and drown.
2: Um, (laughs) Resurrection.
1: Yeah, well, that's eight. So, like, I, I don't even bother, like, calling yeah. them by their fucking names. It's, I feel like it's like Voldemort. <laughs> to are like, invoking it, if you fucking say it. Um, you know, and obviously, <laughs> Kills and Ends... I know if you strip everything away, like, you know, Kills has got some some fun death sequences and, and stuff like that. But again, like, I'm I'm not watching a Halloween movie for that. You know what I mean? I'm watching it because no. I want to see something just slightly a little bit smarter. You know, maybe, maybe mm-hmm. there's an inkling of that there in ends because, like, you know, maybe they were thinking of doing something, but, like, again, it just gets ruined by the fact that it just, it just it just trivializes everything else that it built up to. And, and and that's just stupid fucking Corey story. It should have just been like a sub-movie, you know? <laughs>
2: the Corey Cunningham's, oh, God. I'm, now I'm thinking about it again. I fucking hate that movie so much. But, uh, you know, yeah, I would definitely say Halloween 1978 is the only one that you need to watch, you know, if you just want a perfect horror movie from beginning, middle, and end. Um, the only reason I would recommend 81's Halloween two is just that, if you kind of wanted a little bit more, if you kind of like, you know what, like I'm not entirely that impressed with Michael disappearing into the night, I want to see what else happens, then I would say put on two. Because then you could just say you got a definitive ending to Michael Myers, burned up in a fire with Dr. Loomis, done. And then you never have to watch any of the sequels. Um, that would be the only reason I would say, you know, put two up there, if you're a completionist. Uh,
1: again, I – I just argue that the, the problem with that is is the quality of one is just so much higher than oh. mm-hmm. the overall quality of two. And taking the story and, you know, bringing in the whole Laurie as the sister thing and all of that, like, it just gets easily lost, especially when you watch just that first one, and none of that really is a factor none of that really has anything to do with it, you know? And I still love the original end of him just disappearing.
0: Mm-hmm. You know what?
1: That, yeah. that is what he really. is. You know, he he may never have fucking been there. Um, he is indeed the boogeyman. So that's why I kind of feel like, again, if you want to have a little bit of fun now, you can go to that fourth film. You can still get, like, a taste of, like, what? You had going on. You hear about him being the sister. You know, this is an unknown character with the Jamie character. Um, it kind of mm-hmm. kind of brings like something a little more original back to you. And then if you really want to get into like what you see in Halloween Two, then just like I said, watch Rob Zombies because that's gonna bring the whole sister into full circle. You know, and that becomes a full major plot point. You know, and that's uh, and done in the trailer trash fashion that it is makes more sense.
0: Mhm.
2: Yeah, and and we talked about it on the show before. Where I I don't hate Rob Zombie's Halloween as much as a lot of other people. I'm very forgivable about it, especially the first half of the movie that just first talks half. about his childhood. Up until he's an, up until he's an adult and breaks out of Smith's Grove. Then I'm kind of like, all right, well now I could be a little bit more of a snob when it comes to you know. How you're handling the material, but all that stuff in the sanitarium and all the stuff about Michael as a kid and Dave Fairch as as Michael and and mm-hmm. uh, Malcolm McDowell as Loomis, I I was there for it. I liked it. I was like, this is actually pretty solidly written. Like you know, if you want a reason why Michael is killing people, then there you go. You know, he's a, he's a, a force of kid of nature. He's a he's a product of his environments. You know, growing up in that trailer trash environment. You know, and it's sad and it's just. very well done, and then he made Halloween 2 and just kind of ruined what he had built with that first But then, again, just like with uh, Rick Rosenthal's Halloween 2, you you could just tell that there's really kind of nothing there in terms of, like, motivation. You could tell it's very lazy. It's it's not very well written. It's not very well acted. Like, you could just tell that nobody really wanted to be there, but they had to be there. You know, and it sucks when you feel that way. When you see a movie, you could just tell that there's just no passion.
0: No, mm-hmm.
1: oh, 100%. You know, it's it's a total drag because it's like, you know, and, and again, like, you know, I remember reading like in an article somewhere that, you know, Rob basically said, like, listen, you know, they came forward saying that they were going to make the sequel no matter what. So, you know, if if anybody was going to ruin it, I might as well ruin it. And, and you feel that. You feel that every bit of the way, you know, and like he basically just made a music video that lasts two fucking hours or so, maybe even more than that. You know, we got Michael walking around in a fucking field, maskless. You know, Michael, who has a change of heart and doesn't want to kill for a little while, and then, you know, suddenly is forced to put the mask back on when he gets attacked by you know, and it's just like, (laughs) All right, man. All right. Yeah, and then, like again, there's all the yeah. We're on like all kinds of spoilers tonight, huh? Uh, If you haven't seen this one yet, then that's (laughs) on you. Uh, It's only like fucking what? You haven't seen (laughs) it? It's like 15 15 years years old old. at this point. So, um, you know, the the whole idea that you know (laughs) was it all in her head? Was he? Was this really just Lori the entire time? Is she fucking insane? You know, there's just so many different ways to, like, take the movie. But it's almost like, again, like Exorcist 2, in which, like, hey, how fucking nonsensical can we get? Because I really don't want to be making this movie yet. anyway, you know? So, but yeah. Mm-hmm. I agree with Once oh. that first film becomes the shot-for-shot remake... I kind of check out yeah. But that whole initial thing That whole thing from beginning to, to him breaking out You know I was good to you Mikey You know like fucking god, oh, man, that, god that, so heartbreaking. That break, It breaks my fucking heart Every fucking time man
2: Because yep. you kind of want him to stop at a certain point like, You want him to just kind of like Let him live Like I'm just going to beat the fuck out of him And I'm going to let him live But no he fucking ends his goddamn life like, and just felt so fucking bad because his character was behind Mikey the entire time growing up, you know, and he, he just fucking killed him. It just shows you how much of a psychopath he is. But then, you know, and then, yeah, part two, Dr. Loomis is now on the book fucking circuit, and he's fucking telling his uh, publicist that he'll beat her, his opinion out of her and shit. Like, like, just betraying what Dr. Loomis is. Like, at least in the first one, he still had that heart of Donald Pleasant's of I have to stop him. Like, I have to figure out a way to get to Haddonfield and stop Michael before he kills again. And then in the second one, it's all betrayed. He writes a book that reveals that Michael is Laurie's sister. And then the fucking hilarious scene with fucking uh, Scott Tower Compton driving around in the car going, fuck you, cars. And, and she's like, because she found out that she's Michael's sister and she's cursing at cars that are driving past her. And she's like, I just want to get fucked up and fucking go to this party. Because I'm fucking Angel Myers, like I was like, oh no, we're, we're so far removed from what you know he set up. But yeah, like you had said in that interview where he's just like, yeah, man, they were going to make it with me or without me. So I just made a music video. <laughs> if you dig it, cool. If you don't, you don't. For some reason, Michael has a beard and he's a hobo. That's fine. Like it's it's fine. <laughs>
1: it's just you know,
0: but, um, Malcolm,
1: McDow- Malcolm McDowell mm-hmm. in the first film. You know, I mean, like you said, he kind of gets that, that Donald Pleasance thing. And, and it, it, in a lot of ways, he does. You know, like, I feel like what we don't see from from Dr. Loomis in that original Halloween film, what we get in line, you know, in line delivery from, from Donald Pleasance. The, uh You know, I spent eight years trying to reach him, and then another seven trying to keep him locked up. Like, we see at Loomis, yes. you know, the Loomis trying to get to him you know, when he's talking to, about him in the clips you know, when he's like, you know like Michael's getting further away, all this and that like, you don't feel like it's, it's, it's a doctor trying to do this for sensationalism Not, which is what we see of right. him in the second film, you know we, we don't see any of that mm-hmm. in the first film so it doesn't feel right when he goes that route in the second film um Especially considering all the tragedies and all the things that go on, and then yeah, the whole fucking rockabilly thing, all the other bullshitting and fucking too, man, it just gets it just gets so fucking stupidly out of hand. But again, like like we said, he didn't want to do it, and that and that's that, you know.
2: Hmm. And yeah, and that was what I actually really did appreciate with Rob Zombie's Halloween. Not to make this a Rob Zombie Halloween podcast, I will move on. I promise. But this is the last thing. <laughs>
0: um, but
2: it was the 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 conversation that Loomis has with adult Michael when he tells him, like, I, I can't do this anymore. Like, there's just nothing further I can do for you. I can't be your doctor anymore. I have to move on and deal with other patients. But, like, you become, like, my best friend. Like, I, you know, I've been through marriages and I've been through all these things, and I care about you, but I have to move on. And then you can just you get this kind of vibe from Michael that he's honestly upset that Dr. Loomis is leaving him, just like his mom did, just like, you know, everybody else in his life left him, and now Loomis is doing the exact same thing. Like, he's abandoning Michael. And it's a, it's incredibly fucking heartbreaking. Like, Rob Zombie did a great job in that aspect, of giving us the gaps that we didn't get from Pleasance in those movies.
1: Yeah, yeah, and, 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 you know, and I know a lot of people, you included, have had the whole complaint of, like, oh, well, you know, Michael is just – a force, you know, whereas this kind of works the whole, like, hey, he's a product of his environment, but I feel like also in a lot of ways, when you look at it, right, you have the whole, the whole argument of nature versus nurture, um, whereas, yes, Michael's environment was harsh at times, but his mother obviously cared about him. You know, maybe his sister was shitty, his stepdad was an asshole, but his mother loved him, and we see that his nature was overcoming him at an earlier point, you know, between the animals that he was killing and then the way he beats the shit out of Junie. Uh, again, I forget the actor's name, but he's fucking Junie from the fucking spy kids movies. Um, so, you know, yeah, that, that, yeah. Is how, mm-hmm. that, that is how I always see him, you know, and that's, that sequence is one where like, oh, like how yep. you felt cool. about Danny Trejo, like when he's beating the shit out of that kid and like just the way the way Zombie goes, and you know what? It's funny, but I know I know. Rob Zombie saw Apocalypto because, you know, the way like he has the kids yeah. looking up at the yeah. sky, and that's like the way the death's going. That's exactly how Mel Gibson filmed it with, uh, with some of the, the, the indigenous people, the, the indigenous guy's dad's yeah. death in particular. He says, you know, I'm going to my forefather's. Mm-hmm. And he looks up, and they do the exact – it was exactly cut the same way. Um, and I love it, because – but at the same time, too, it's just like, oh, please, please just stop. You're a little kid. I When you're an adult, Michael, and you're killing people, like, I get it, man. But, like, you're a kid. Stop this. This should stop at a beating, not at a death, you know, but no. No, zombie fucking, you know, he gave no fucks, and he gave that to us. You know, same thing with Danny Trejo, whereas mm-hmm. we, as human beings – are going to look at this and say, "Hey, this is where you stop." That person does not. That person doesn't have that,
0: no. and that yep. is
1: where again I think he did all those things right. But again, that movie does eventually become a, a remake, which is what it is, and that that's <laughs> the unfortunate part.
2: Absolutely, it's just there there is a heart there in that first one, and it
0: just
2: you know it, it suffers uh, the sequel fate that a lot of them do. But um, you know, speaking about another uh, franchise. is kind of troubled right now. Uh, that being scream, um, with Melissa Barrera dropping out, Jenna Ortega dropping out. And now Christopher Landon director dropping out. You know, it just seems like, are we ever going to get Halloween seven more than likely? Um, mean scream recently over the past weekend, scream seven, I should say. Yes. Uh, Neb Campbell was chatting with IndieWire uh, over last weekend, uh, and she said that she loves the Scream franchise and hope it doesn't fall apart. And when they asked her if she would ever return, she said, given the right circumstances, yes. I made a statement several years ago, and it was the reason I didn't do Scream 6 at that time. I just felt the need to stand up and say that I don't believe I would have been treated the way I had been a man carrying a franchise 25 years, and that still stands. Um, so it, it definitely sounds like she would return, but you know, she's looking for that respect. Um, and I guess they just weren't giving that to her because I think if you remember, uh, she didn't return to scream six because of just not being paid enough money, not giving her enough respect. So in that sense, I give her, you know, I give her credit for that. I'm sorry. Who? <laughs> yeah. Remember that girl from Scream? She was a couple of them. Which one? much yeah i think the i know definitely the first one i can't remember issues <laughs> in any other ones
1: <laughs> sorry 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 i was just playing yeah listen uh yeah i don't know man i uh i i think i'm at a point now because you know like look I, I know people, either you know, like some people like you didn't like six and seven, uh, or didn't like five and six. You know, I, I enjoyed, mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed the two of them, um, for what they were. You know, I do feel like six was definitely flawed. I, I was hoping for a lot more out of that film than 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 what ultimately ends up coming out of it. Um, but that being said, I still did have a lot of fun watching it. Uh, I, I do feel like at this point with all the bad mojo, with all the shit that like went down, like, Like, let's just let it die, you know what I mean? Like, I know you guys want to try to crank, you know, more more money out of it and and, and get it going and everything. And look, Saw is on, like, its 11th movie at this point, and there's, like, five Purge films. And so so I know Scream just Mm -hmm. wants to get in on the, like, we're a big franchise, too, type of deal. But, like, really, at this point, you're looking at a full, hard reset as far as, like getting your story going. So so take your time, if you're going to do it, and just craft something that, uh, I mean, I, I don't even want to say is original, because realistically speaking, you guys kind of, your original was in 1996. You haven't done anything original since.
2: Yeah, yeah, because that, like, we were, literally we were just talking about, you know, the Holly movies and, and things like that. I feel the same way about Scream. I think, the first one is the only one that you really need to watch. Uh, I do have a soft spot for, for Scream 2, because that was the first one I saw in theaters. Um, and my brother was scared shitless, and I got to see him with his head between his <laughs> knees the entire time, which I thought was great. Um, but, yeah, Scream is a one-shot movie for me. Like it just The sequels just get fucking worse, you know, because they have to keep finding fucking motivation for the killers. And it seems like they just struggle with that every movie. Past,
1: you know, part one and two. Well, yeah, because it becomes the, uh, you know, it becomes a a bigger stretch each and every time, you know, first it's fucking, you know, the, the two guys that, that fucking, you know, well, one who obviously was mad that, that his mom left because his dad was fucking your mom. Like at least those ones, a psychopath and the other is a psychopath who has some kind of motivation. Um, you know, now in two, you're gonna bring the mom back and random film student who the mom has coerced. You know, three, you're gonna bring the step you know, the, the fucking half brother from your actress mom <laughs> Latin Affair in Hollywood. Like it gets more and more convoluted so and fucking going. Dumb. You know, and like, again, like, there's how many family, like, how many fami- familial strings are you going to really pull? You know, because by the time we get to four, it's your it's your cousin and her fucking simp boyfriend, you know, who just wants to be like the fucking psychopath of the original. Uh, like I said, at least with, like, five and six, they started crafting another storyline, even though that, too, goes into the family strings and starts to bring up one of them being fucking, you know, one of the original psychopaths' kids and... So, you know what, realistically, yes. Like mm. you said, the only screen movie you really need to watch is the first one. And then, yeah, if you want to have, if you want to look at stuff for just stupid sequel fun, just low expectation, you watch the rest of them.
2: Yeah, no, 100%. And, you know, I was, like, three, I think, is, is probably the worst for me. If I had to say, like, what the worst screen movie is, I still would say that three is probably the worst. Um, I'm more forgivable for the other ones. Um, God, it's just so fucking terrible. And I know people that actually like it. I'm like, I, I just don't get it. I, they've explained it to me, and I'm like, all right, you're wrong, but I get it. You know, it's just it's just fucking terrible. <laughs> you know, and my, <laughs> I know it's your opinion. I can't do it. I can't, it's I, Yeah, it's your opinion, but it's the wrong opinion to have. <laughs> like, it's just... I'm like, have you seen the fucking movie in, like, recent history? Like, you know, and watch it again. And now they still like it, but... You know, like... My problems with six are, it, it, I, I don't know. I just, I think that they really fucking struggled to get who the killers were at the end. When they had that reveal, I remember fucking laughing. Like, audibly fucking chuckling and grabbing my sides because I was like, are you fucking kidding me? This is the reveal. At least in five, it was kind of, like, interesting how, you know, you could have people that are really fucking interested in rebooting franchises. And that's the whole point. It made sense. It was kind of interesting, and, and plus, like, I, I love who they chose to be the killers at the end. Um, big fan of them. But part 6 is they're just like, fuck, we don't know anymore. <laughs> like, let's have another family connection. And it's just, it's really going to be fucking intense, because all of a sudden, we're a bunch of fucking psychopaths. Like,
1: well, like again, all of a sudden, though, the they, like,
2: they turned, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. They turned yeah, crazy, ahead. you know what I mean? Whereas at least... You know, uh, basically, basically what they did with six is what they did with two. You know, well, hey, we killed the killer in, the, in four and in five, so now we're going to bring the parent and the siblings. You know, so like uh, we did yeah. it cool. Yeah. We did three killers this time. <laughs> we fooled you. We did it cool. <laughs>
0: we did it cool. <laughs> <laughs> that
2: should be the fucking review. We did it cool this time. It's <laughs> it's
0: fucking it You know,
1: it just
2: ripped off two. It just ripped off two. And it's my my like, big problem yeah. too, though, oh. is that you
1: bring in Dermot Mulroney, right? You bring in Dermot Mulroney. <laughs> now, at, you know, at mm-hmm. least in three, okay? And I hate three. Three, I think, is the worst scream film. Yeah. But at least three, mm-hmm. right? You bring in. You bring in fucking Mick McDreamy or whatever the fuck his name is. You know, Patrick fucking, uh, uh I want to say Dempsey, Patrick Stewart, yeah. but it's, uh, Patrick Dempsey. Yes. Uh, Patrick Stewart would be interesting, but no, Patrick Dempsey. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <He's> <laughs> yes. yeah. killers here. This killer is some
0: <laughs> <laughs> Not killer
1: number one, killer number two. We're <laughs> <laughs> the future, Charles. my God, Cindy. Um, <laughs> Magneto Come
2: well, I mean, here
1: Phoenix yeah. um, what you <laughs> <Winston>? <laughs> Anyway Um but, like, like, this Patrick Dempsey right Patrick Dempsey is an active Character Throughout the course of the whole film That you continue to follow mm-hmm. And you're suspicious of Because you keep seeing him the entire time. And you're like, yeah. well... And you know, in your head you're saying, well, he's probably one of the killers. But nah, he's probably not, you know, because it's so obvious. But he's probably one of the killers. But nah. No. But it's scream. I'm sorry. You bring in Dermot, Dermot Mulrooney. you make him a fucking police officer. He literally has no screen time <laughs> in the entire film. Like, you couldn't have fucking made him the killer more than if you tried. You know, you might as well put the sign around his neck. Like, hey, this guy is the killer. You know, like I said, the only one that, like, and even the daughter, like, I figured it was her, but then she died. And I was like, oh, okay, well, mm-hmm. that, that kind of throws a fucking monkey wrench in it. The boy, the the son is what tripped me up. He was the one that I didn't see coming. It was like, oh, no shit, look at that. Not at all. And that's because they just that's because they just did one of those where, like, you know, hey, these two are brother and sister. They're going to interact throughout the entire film, and yet at no point do they ever, like, look like they actually know each other, you know, so I, 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 I give them credit there, you know, I will, I will, I'll, I'll be like, you know what, you guys got me, but the, uh, yeah, the other two, not so much.
2: Yeah, it, just, it was just, a fu- and then they they go off the rails, and they're like, we're going to be like fucking Matthew Willard in part one, except like times fucking ten, dude, because we're fucking insane now. Because we're, we're cool. You know how so crazy we, we are? We're making it cool. <laughs> we're making it cool now. We're making it fucking cool now, guys. Didn't you hear? I mean, that's just, you know, like the reveal, just, it just, it wasn't that great. And plus, you bring back Courtney Cox to do fucking what exactly? As Gail Weathers just, oh, she's living in New York now, so we that's convenient. So let's go over to her place and fucking, you know, have Ghostface call her and fucking, we'll, we'll waste like 20 minutes. And that'll fill like, you know, a good 10, 15 minutes. So you that's can so have silly somebody
1: – so, so you silly. can have a legacy character to worry about dying. That's why. You know, because, hey, they've killed legacy characters in the other movie, you know, so so we might do it again. Yeah, the good they one. They killed Dewey the last time, you know, so now <laughs> this time they're definitely going to kill Gail. Like, that's what I kept thinking the whole time. I'm like, all right, they're definitely going to kill yep. her. Okay, yep. and here we go. With the, here, here's the moment. And, uh, and no, no, it never happens.
2: It Spoiler. never fucking does it, and it got me. Yeah, well, I know. Yeah, if you guys haven't seen Scream Six, you know, whoops, uh, just the uh, I guess like you know, just cover your ears because we did it. But yeah, no, you know, that's another movie where I'm like, oh shit, they're actually gonna do it. They're gonna fucking do it, and then you know, now, nah, you know, thumbs up at the end. I mean, that like, I was like, fine, they've done that before. Obviously, David Arquette's done that before in the movies where you think he's totally fucked, like in Scream Two, and then he comes back. Um, No, fucking Randy's fucking nephew is the one that fucking infuriated me, that fucking scene, when he just Mm -hmm. fucking gets it on both ends by two fucking ghosts. You're like, dude, this guy is fucked. Like, there is no way he's coming back, and his fucking would-be girlfriend, Jen Ortega, has to watch. It's fucking heartbreaking and devastating. No, he's fine.
1: (laughs) Uh, (laughs) but But again, this is yet another throwback to part two, because we see that happen with Dewey. You know, Dewey gets stamped, you know, like fucking yeah. viciously with Gale on the other side of the glass, and you think, <laughs> oh shit, they not only killed Dewey, but they did it in such a tragic way, you kind of feel bad for him, you feel bad for Gale, and, uh, and and yeah, but no, no, here we go. They, they, they It literally is, it is part two just in New York City.
2: Yeah, like, the more we talk about it, the more I'm like, wow, they just watched Scream 2, and they're like, what if we did this in New York City? And they're like, you know what? All right. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> we got our movie. Uh just, I don't know. You know, it's – I, and that's the thing. I have it on Blu-ray. I just never went back to because I'm a completionist like that. I have to get them all. Like, even if I don't fucking like them, I have to have them in my collection because I keep thinking one day somebody's going to come over and be like, hey, can we watch all the Scream movies? And am like, yes, we can. 'Cause I have them. Uh, Nobody could see that. Excuse but. me while I whip
1: this out.
2: <laughs> oh, you wanna watch Scream? I have them all. Like we can just do a marathon. Did you wanna watch all ten Scream movies? We can. We can do that too. I got all of them, including Spiral.
1: Huh? Huh? Offshoot movie? Huh? No, no, nobody's doing indeed, that. Indeed. No, it's just it's me. You watch the person um, slowly slink so, slink yeah. down the stairs after they creep out the door. Yeah, really no, we'll just tell you, you, you to it go to the bathroom and no, Mom called. <laughs>
2: yeah. I, oh, my God. My fucking whole family was in a big-ass car wreck. I have to go. Oh, no. But we were just about to start Scream 3. No, I, I'm good. I I, I got to cater to this emergency real fast. Oh, fuck. I was having such a good time, too, with you and all your mm-hmm. fucking trivia facts about both productions. <laughs> The fact that, uh, the fact yeah, I'm that the worst. you
1: keep pausing it, like, every five fucking minutes to, like, sit there and over-explain every single little tiny scene. Yeah, nope, been there, done that.
2: Yeah, I've done that. I, I have. <laughs> I'm the worst when it comes to that, so, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that, that's what's happening in the world of Scream. Uh, also came out this week, Danny Boyle and Alex Garland. Uh, the director and writer behind 2002's hit horror film 28 Days Later, are retaining for the long-awaited sequel 28 years later. What's more is that this could potentially be the start of even more sequels for the franchise. Uh, The Hollywood Reporter broke the news, uh, reported that the new thriller is expected to hit studios, streamers, and other potential buyers later this week. And according to multiple sources, like WME, which reps Boyle and Garland, they're going to take the package out and handle the sale. The pair hoped to launch a new trilogy with 28 years later. The plan is for Garland to write all three entries with Boyle helming the first installment. Um, I'm kind of excited. I don't know about you, but I was a huge fan of 28 Days Later. 28 weeks later, not so much. It's a little bit different of a movie, but I thought 28 Days Later was fucking brilliant. It fucking came out of nowhere and kind of introduced you to something that's not zombies. They're infected people, so they can run as fast as they can because they're all jacked up on fucking anger. So it was okay. It's excusable. Like, you know, don't call them zombies because they don't eat people. They just tear them apart. And I was like, that's the way to do it. Mm -hmm,
0: mm Mm-hmm.
1: Well, again, it falls more into, you know, we, you had seen it before you, I know in particular, uh, me, no, Mm -hmm. um, but it catered more towards, I guess what Romero was trying to show us with the crazies. You know, where it's this mm-hmm. this infection that is not a zombie infection. It's not a zombie apocalypse that's happening. It is people that are literally fucking losing their minds and going crazy. And, and this crazy is coming out and this, this anger. Um, you know, I, I saw the movie um, when it first came out. Uh, I think on when it, when it took its initial cable run. Uh, I really have never mm. gone back to see it again, um, nor have I ever seen, uh, I think what, 28 weeks later, didn't it turn out to be a prequel? Um, and not necessarily? No, a prequel? it was a follow-up. Oh, it is a follow-up. Yeah, okay. it was a little
2: was bit of a follow-up. mix of both. Yeah, it's a follow-up. Yeah, of, of, of like containing it. Now they figure kind out of a way to contain, you know, the, the virus and, and people can return back to normal. Like with living within like a city, but an infected person gets in and kinda of causes chaos.
1: Gotcha. So so it took the 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 regular route that we often see with you know, with the zombie films and stuff like that. Um mm-hmm. you know, I uh I always liked the concept behind it. You know, I just wish you know, I wish I wish everybody felt like me. Um No, I guess you know funny, <laughs> yeah, right. in my head, right? Like, okay, the first movie is 28 Days Later. And the second movie mm-hmm. is 28 Weeks Later. Like, you know, it would have been genius had they actually, like, released it 28 Weeks Later. You know, and had another follow-up yeah. tw- 28 Months Later. You know, and then waited that time mm-hmm. and okay, it was 28 Years Later. Like, I just think like, it would have been just fucking, like, crazy... Like from an artistic standpoint, I just think it would be fucking brilliant. Um, you know, it's like those. Uh, oh, of course, it's kind of like those, <laughs> and it's funny, but like you know, because they, they they were recently just up on the uh, the four ninety nine, the uh, or at least one of them. They've been doing one each week. Uh, the before sunset, before sunrise. Oh, with Ethan Hawk. With Stephen yeah. Hawke and that, uh, that cute chick. I forget yeah. what her name is. Um, the French girl. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, uh, Julie Delphi. Julie Delphi or something like that. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like how that, those films take place and the amount of years between each film are the actual amount of years in real life. So it's these two characters coming together after X amount of time and meeting up again. And then, you know, again, spending two hours fucking having boring conversation, you know, with each other. Uh, I was, you know, like I never watched any of those films <laughs> until I finally, until I finally did. Um, you know, and it's like a series. Well, I think by the, by the time, like the third, I think there's either three or four of them now. Like by the time the third one came out is when I finally was like, oh, okay, you know, I'm going to watch this. And then I proceeded to watch it. And I'm like, man how the fuck did they get sequels made for this shit? Because, like, I'm sitting there, like, trying... I'm trying my damn hardest not to fall asleep. And I love a good rom-com. Like, I, I like a good romantic story. But, like, I don't want to just watch two people having conversation. Like, if I want to watch two people having conversation, I'm watching fucking Clerks. <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: yeah, I, I don't... I, I I know of those movies. I've seen bits and pieces. But, yeah, I just... I don't know. Like, you're right. It's just, it's two people having conversations, like, for two hours, and I don't know. It's just nothing, like, I, yeah, I would much rather fucking watch Clerks or something like that, where it's just fun conversations that people actually have, you know, than, than boring fucking, our lives are fucking bullshit, and, uh, you know, but love exists, you know. I mean that's kind of the way I felt about Reality Bites when it came out, where I'm just like, oh, it's just Ethan, Hawke, Ethan Hawking all over this fucking movie, just being like, hey, you know, I'm fucking a really attractive guy, and I don't know. Life's kind of bullshit. Why <laughs> do people like this maybe. it's
1: okay, but I'm a really attractive guy that is not a threatening to other guys. You know, like that's how I feel about Ethan <laughs> 100%. You know what I mean? Like I feel like all right, like <laughs> yeah. if Ethan Hawk like walk into a room, like I'm gonna get it. Like a bunch of chicks are gonna think I'm really attractive. But at the same time too, at like no point am I gonna feel like I'm threatened by like the presence of Ethan Hawke.
2: No, he's not stealing your girlfriend. Like, he might be the fucking greatest-looking guy in the room, but he's only going to be there to fucking play Wonderwall on an acoustic guitar and chain-smoke cigarettes.
0: That's
2: it. He's not trying to get your girlfriend to go home with him. No, he's going to fucking just sit in the corner with his fucking hair covering his eyes, and he's going to fucking play Wonderwall, and then he's going to be like, all right, i got to go to work in the morning, and then fucking take off. (laughs) Just completely non-threatening. You know, so it's fine when he comes to the parties. You know, um, yeah, I just, I I haven't seen But, you know, Walmart, the $5 bin has kind of been impressing me lately because I just got The Pope's Exorcist through there. I got Smile through there. Um, I was like, wow, they're actually putting decent movies in the $5 bin. It used to be like the shitty fucking like, oh, it's the Steve Martin combo pack. I don't want that. Now they're actually putting good movies in there. They had all the Jackass movies, Um, and I picked that up. I was like, all the Jackass movies, including Jackass Forever. And I was like, oh, that's awesome.
1: Five bucks, that's I guess, four just, movies? That's just us getting old, man, you know? Like, as far as the Pope's Exorcist goes, <laughs> yeah. like, that's one of those where I guess it, like, disappointed in the box office. Because they had that shit on the, like, the four ninety nine thing on the Xbox pretty quick, too. So, like, I guess it just was not, oh, like, damn. selling very well. You know, so it was like, oh, all right. Like, that went from, like, being released, and I think even when they first released it, it was at, like, the it was like most new movies come out and they're like 20 bucks. It's 1999. I think when that one first released, it was like 1499 and it was on sale for four mm-hmm. ninety nine. like, like two weeks later. Like, I think anything that has like a, a short sale life, it immediately goes to streaming. Cause I think the Pope's exorcist popped up on like Netflix pretty quick. Uh, I think they just don't just mm-hmm. like, Hey, we're just trying to sell it now. So, so now they just want you to buy it so that you own it.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm not complaining. <laughs> you know, when I saw him I in saw the fucking five dollar bin, I was like, "Hell yes!" Mm-hmm. I have
1: to watch it still. So, I mean, I, you know what? That uh, I'm going to do what we don't normally do. I'm going to give you my reveal for next week. We're watching the Pope's Exorcist.
2: Well, oh, fuck yeah, dude! <laughs> I fucking love that movie. Oh god, that, that's that's going to be awesome. Talking about that next week. Uh, yeah, like anything with fat fucking Russell Crowe, I'm fat, all about fat crow. And he just fat crow. Yeah, Fat Crow is the best crow. I mean, Thor, Love and Thunder, Unhinged. Like, I just want more overweight fucking Muscle Crow. Like, it's, oh, it's see, better. see,
1: now, I'm torn, now to get. I'm torn. Do I want to do Unhinged, or do I want to do Pope's Exorcist? Shit. Uh, well, well Exorcist. think about yeah. it. We're going we're gonna to do Pope's Exorcist. I haven't watched that one yet. And you know what? We spent an inordinate amount of time talking about Exorcist films today. So that that's where we're
2: going. Yeah. It works out, so we'll talk about that. It's an exciting one. Um, So before we get into the movie for tonight, I do have two more things I want to bring up, and then we're going to head into the apartment building for Evil Dead Rise. So uh, Frankenstein, that property, there's going to be more movies coming out our way. Uh, The dean brought up that Guillermo del Toro is working on one right now, an adaptation of Frankenstein. Um, and recently it was announced that Andrew Garfield, who is going to be playing the monster, uh, just had to back out due to a scheduling conflict. So in steps in Jacob L, uh, Elordi. Um, he was in Saltburn last year. So he's going to be taking over the role of the monster uh, for Andrew Garfield. But also I found out today I, that
1: production
2: started. From, yep.
1: Sorry, I know him from hmm. Euphoria. And he is a much okay. better, honestly, he's a much better choice. For the monster than Andrew Garfield
2: would be. Okay. I mean, I, I still have to see Saltburn. Like, I, people keep telling me to see Saltburn because you know, I like Brendan Keogh, and I know he's in Saltburn, and I'm like I have to give it a shot. So you know, maybe one of these days I'll check it out. But, uh, yeah, so, so Guillermo del Toro is working on a Frankenstein adaptation, but also on the opposite side, uh, Maggie Gillenhall is going to be directing an adaptation of The Bride of Frankenstein, just called The Bride. Uh, production began this week on that. Uh, the film is going to feature Penelope Cruz as the bride, Christian Bale as Dr. Frankenstein, and Peter Skarsgård as a detective. No plot details have yet been released, but that's the fucking cast right there. I, You know, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing that. I mean, I'll watch anything Christian Bale's in, but fucking he's going to be playing Dr. Frankenstein. I'm there for it. And then Penelope Cruz as the bride. Penelope Cruz is just another one of those just hot actresses that – I'll always watch whatever she's in.
1: Yeah, yeah, like you know, even the
2: I, bad I, ones, like Vanilla Sky.
1: I, I listen. I, I didn't mind Vanilla Sky. Uh, yeah, Penelope Cruz. I'm 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 weird with as far as like the looks go, because there are times where I look at her and I'm like, wow, she's like really attractive, and then other times I'm just like, she's not. Um,
0: <laughs>
1: I almost feel like Eva Green is like the poor man's Penelope Cruz. Oh, Oh, she absolutely is.
2: That's that's 100% (laughs) true.
1: But, but yeah, as far as, uh, A, I mean, with Garfield, I do wonder if that is something to do with a possible Venom 3 role. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I know that's supposed to come out this year. That's supposed to come out, and there's talk that, you know, it it would have a Spider-Man in it. Um, which would make Mm. sense to have him be the Spider-Man. You know, we could use the whole like, Hey, that Spider-Verse thing. He got sent to the wrong universe. And from a storyline perspective, you know, a, it's fine that he gets sent to that universe because you know what, either a, he can find himself a Mary Jane B maybe he gets another chance at Gwen, you know, something that the other Spider-Men don't get, Maybe you know, see being that that's his, his, his crux. Um, but you know with all that said and done too though uh but just back with Jacob Alordi he uh he's like 6 foot 5 or something like that 6 foot 6 and he's got oh, wow. like very yes he's a very big guy to begin with as far as like his height goes right and he's kind of got that like mm-hmm. he's not massive like wide he's not like built you know what i mean he's got that kind of like awkwardish kind of body where he's like slim and like long and he's got like a very chiseled face though. So like I could easily, like when I saw him announced as possibly being uh, the monster, I was like, I was very, very like, like, wow, that's like actually fucking great casting. Um, Very, very happy with that one. And then, uh, and then lastly, as far as the whole bride thing goes, uh, yeah, like there's a part of me that's like, yes, the cast is like one to get, right? But at the same time, too, we do know that, at times, Christian Bale could be a real fucking pain in the ass to work with. And he could be a real asshole. Sure can. At times, too. And that could become problematic. And the other problem with the rest of that cast is, is some of them do have their moments where they're a little too artsy-fartsy for their own fucking good. And, like, that may not necessarily be what I want in my Bride of Frankenstein movie. You know, like, part of what I enjoyed about that original one, which we covered... Uh, Not that long ago was the uh, the simplicity of the story, the, you know, obviously the effects like it doesn't need to get all that deep. And I feel like in today's I mean, you know what? Maybe it does. Maybe today's society. It does need to be maybe this is the woke bride of Frankenstein that we've all been fucking clamoring for.
2: I mean, maybe. Uh, I mean, it, it's a good question. I mean, I don't know. I still think the Bride from '85 is still pretty fucking good. I don't know if you've ever seen that. It's with uh, Sting. Uh, no, he no, played yeah, like Doctor Frankenstein. I just saw the original
1: for the first yeah. time when we covered it. So.
2: Oh wow! No, definitely. Like, I might make that as a pick one of these days if I can ever find it. Um, but yeah, fucking Carrie Elway's is in it. Uh, Clancy Brown plays the monster. Uh, his name is Victor in the movie. Uh so it, yeah, it's it's really fucking just fun. I think Jennifer Beals plays the uh the bride in that one, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, it's pretty it it's, it's actually actually, pretty Now easy. now that
1: you're saying it, it sounds familiar.
2: Yeah, yeah. It, it was kind of like one of those low key under the radar things that just kind of popped up and then was gone. Um, but yeah, I'd i put it up there. I'd I'd tell people about it and I think it's just a fever dream sometimes. But no, it exists. Came out in '85. going will have to cover it on the show one of these days. But you know, either way, I'm looking forward to both projects: uh, Guillermo del Toro's and, uh, and uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal's. Even though I didn't realize that she was a, a director now, but you know, I mean, I've never been a Maggie Gyllenhaal fan, so I'm fine if she wants to direct things. You know, she was Rachel. She couldn't save the Dark Knight.
1: Rachel, Rachel was the best of us. She believed in me when nobody <laughs> believed in me, Alfred. She loved me. She was gonna. She was gonna come. <laughs> and live with me, and I was going to hang up the cow, and we were going to live our best rich life. She was definitely not going to leave me for Harvey Dent. That's right, Master Bruce. I definitely did not burn that note that she left telling her, telling you that she was (laughs) going to leave you, and never see you again because she doesn't believe in you, and she thinks that you and the Batman are intrinsically tied together forever. But you're right, Master Bruce. She (laughs) loved you. (laughs)
2: No, <laughs> she loved you to death. She would have married you if she had the chance. What's that letter? What? I don't. I don't see any letter. <laughs> That's for me, Master Wayne. That's a letter to good old Alfred. Dear Alfred, hope you're doing well. Love the Joker. No, that guy.
1: Ah. Yep. No, nope, definitely
2: isn't a breakup letter.
1: I'm Michael Kane, and I wrote this <laughs> yeah. to you from my island that I bought. After <laughs> being jawful. <George's laughs>
2: the Revenge. It was in Barbados. Uh, God, that fucking moving. me. <laughs> but, all right, so let's talk a little bit about Evil Dead Rise, my film pick of the week from 2023, directed Light, Lee Cronin. Uh, moving the action out of the woods and into the city, Evil Dead Rise tells a twisted tale of two estranged sisters, played by Lessa Sutherland and Louis Sullivan whose reunion gets cut short by the rise of the Deadites, thrusting them into a primal battle for survival as they face the most nightmarish versions of family imaginable. Um, So, yeah, Evil Dead Rise came out last year. I was fucking excited from the first time I saw the Red Band trailer uh, featuring K. Sarah Sarah. I love it when they take fucking really nice, sweet family songs and turn them into fucking twisted horror versions. Um, And I also just kind of was excited because I saw what Fetty Alvarez could do with Evil Dead. And that showed you that you don't necessarily need the chin, Bruce Campbell, to make a decent Evil Dead movie. You just need the deadites, you need the book, and you need a lot of fucking blood. Um, And Evil Dead Rise didn't disappoint. I I put it up in my top three of uh, 2023 top ten horror movies. Um, You know, it wasn't quite number one as I wanted it to be because I think there were some things lacking uh, in Evil Dead Rise. But otherwise, I just thought it was a fun ride start to finish. Um, And I'm excited to do uh, my narration for this one, because I had a little bit of fun. But, uh, Ghoul, what do you think about Evil Dead Rise?
1: Uh, You know, uh, my history with the Evil Dead films goes goes quite a ways back. You know, seeing Evil Dead uh, and Evil Dead 2 when I was a kid. Um, Funny enough, not seeing Army of Darkness until I was well into my had to be my late teens, early 20s, mostly because even though I had seen the box art in the video store a thousand and one times, I never put together that Army of Darkness was the third film. Um, And I spent years, you know, I would watch Evil Dead 2 and watch the ending of it and say, man... I really wish they got around to making the damn sequel for this movie, um, you know, because I, I, I felt like it was just one of those where, like, you know, they just, they must have not have gotten the money, nobody must have liked it, whatever it was, you know, this is all before the internet, so the only people you really knew were the couple of people you knew around your, your area, so, you know, you knew your friends who liked the movie, um, and mm-hmm. Evil Dead 2 was, like, one of those that, you know, we would, we would get stoned and watch because it was fucking, you know, bizarre and silly and fun and weird. Uh, so, so yeah, finally getting around to, to Army of Darkness. Uh, that being said, Army of Darkness, out of all of the Evil Dead films, and I do mean out of all of the Evil Dead films, is the one that I like the least. Um,
0: Me too, yeah. So,
1: when 2013's movie came around and uh, – And yeah, it fucking like, it showed that there is life in this franchise because there are just so many ways you can interpret and take this book, the way the possessions work. Um, you know, don't get me wrong, obviously a lot of things that you're going to see in the Evil Dead remake in 2013, and I know, like, you could lightly call it a remake, a reimagining, whatever you want to call it. Um, it definitely has beats that fall in line with the original and the sequel, uh, certain things that do happen, um, but, you know, the movie was just so well crafted, the characters so well, like, just, just shown, um, I love that movie. And, and and when Evil Dead Rise got announced, oh, so there was Ash first. Evil Dead had come out. as a series. I watched. Uh, mm-hmm. I watched the first season. I think I got a little bit into the second season. Um, I own all of the seasons. I just have not gone back to finish them all yet. And I do know that 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 is a worthwhile viewing altogether. Um, but, but you know, when this movie came out and I started seeing the trailers for it, you know, obviously we spoke about it on the show when, uh, when, when the Dean first mm-hmm. brought up, that like, you know, it was in production and everything, uh, these kind of films, you know, like I'll always in, in the back of my mind, I'm always worried whenever we have anything that takes place in an apartment building, because I'm always going to feel the Poltergeist <laughs> three effect, um, no matter what mm-hmm. It's the first fucking thought that comes into my mind. Um, but then yeah, the trailers started to drop on this and this is just like so many other movies, this is one of those where I really, really wish that they would just stop with the trailers that deliver too much. And I know like you saw the Red Band trailer and eventually mm-hmm. I did as well. But like even the trailer when they started dropping at AMC, the regular theatrical trailer, there's just so much stuff that it showed that would have had so much more of an effect had I not seen it in the trailer already, specifically mommy's with the maggots. Now you give me that line. and That's the first time I'm fucking seeing it. I'm fucking wow. Like I'm like fucking a, hey, this movie launches to a no- whole nother level because it was impressive in the trailer. But again, unfortunately nothing else that's going to happen in the movie is going to hit that kind of level necessarily, you know, as far as spoken dialogue goes. Um, and again, all of that, though, goes in a long fucking circular way of saying that I very much enjoy Evil Dead Rise. I think it's a fun ride. I think the, uh, the characters are decently developed. I don't think it's as good as the 2013 movie, but it does fall, as far as like, the, the films go, it falls into third for me. Evil Dead 2 will always be my favorite, um, just because <laughs> of the age I was when I first saw it, the connections I have to it just through nostalgia. Uh, I follow that up with 2013. Then I would put this movie into play, then the original, then, then Army of Darkness. But I very much mm. enjoy it.
2: That's a good ranking. But I'm glad that you did, so let's get into the movie itself. So the movie opens with a shot much like from the first Evil Dead, courtesy of a drone that will come into play later, as we see that we're in a cabin where cousins Teresa and Jessica are staying, along with Jessica's boyfriend, Caleb. On the lake dock, Caleb is playing with his drone, but Teresa is decidedly bored and wants to leave. She heads inside of the cabin where she sees Jessica is apparently sleeping. We find out that she hasn't been feeling very well, so Teresa decides to take out a book and begin reading. But soon Jessica is sitting up in bed with her back to Teresa, and she begins reciting lines from the book out loud, and then falls off the side of the bed. Teresa rushes over to check on Jessica as she begins to convulse and spew vomit from her lips. Jessica appears to calm, but with a quick pull, reaches up and yanks off the top of Teresa's scalp, who's the brainless meat puppet now. What a way to kind of kick off this fucking cold open of a movie. So Teresa stumbles out into the dock where Caleb is taking a piss. He sees her as she collapses, and then he watches dead-eyed Jessica take his drone and use the propeller plates to cut herself in the face. Jessica falls into the water, and Caleb jumps in after her to save her, while Teresa watches on in horror. Caleb is then quickly killed with his head being tossed onto the dock as Dead Jessica rises out of the water with the title Evil Dead Rise appearing behind her <laughs> in the mountain range. I, the, yep. That was the guy I was here for. It's,
1: it's an opening. That's for sure. Uh, <laughs> so, okay. I have, like, a love-hate relationship with this opening. Um... Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So here's the thing, right? Obviously, you watch the trailer, you see in the trailer, there are scenes in the trailer, specifically the girl floating above the water. So, like, you know, at some Mm -hmm. point, we know that this movie, just from the trailer, is going to obviously hit some kind of cabin or some kind of, like, lake area, Um Opening the film like this, I feel like, would have been fantastic as, like, some explanation of maybe how how the spirit got out of wherever we know the film is going to take place. Because we know that the main, right. again, because of the, tra- because of the trailer, we know that the main story is going to take place in an apartment complex. What I don't like about this mm-hmm. fucking opening sequence is the fact that it turns into the one day earlier type of thing. You know what I mean? Because now it's like, well, great. Everything else I'm about to watch now is going to lead up to, what's going to happen here. So now I know that no matter what, and yeah, don't get me wrong, I know because of other Evil Dead movies that, you know, the fucking demons really never get fucking defeated. But like, you know, what I know is that nothing that really happens for the rest of this movie is going to change or alter the outcome because ultimately the monster is going to still be fucking out there because this bitch is at the cabin spewing cum out of her mouth, which is exactly what I saw. When Mm -hmm. that fucking, that first happened, when we saw this, (laughs) we saw this in the (laughs) theaters when it came out, when that happened, I'm like, wow, she just swallowed a whole load of cum, man. Caleb fucking really drops one hell of a load. Um... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, yeah. but yes, I do, I, I do love the fucking scalp getting pulled off. I thought that's a lot of fun. What really what really got me laughing in the theater was Caleb's fucking because it's not just his head, it's his head with his neck and some of like his upper oh, yeah. torso like still attached, and <laughs> yeah. the fact that it's still like, it's like shuddering, it's, it's like a fish came flying out of the water, you know what I mean, and it's <laughs>
0: It's still yeah. fluttering
1: on the dock, kind of, and it was just like, I'm like, yeah, oh, nope, nope, I'm here for it, it's good, this is, this, this is a fucking Evil Dead movie. So that, that at least, it gave me and that, it's, it's it told a, me, this is an Evil Dead.
2: Yes, it did, and it gave you, like, the cold open that you need to have, like, to kind of set the pace, like, the first one had one, this one has to have one, too. Uh, but then, like the goal said, we cut to one day earlier, and we're getting introduced to Beth, who was a roadie for a rock band. Great tech when it comes to things like that. She's discovered that she's pregnant and doesn't know what to do, so she decides to head out to visit her sister, Ellie, her nieces, Cassie and Bridget, and her nephew, Danny. This family lives in a rundown apartment building that's set to be demolished. Ellie is a tattoo artist, while her son Danny is an aspiring DJ with decent taste in music. Thank you, LCD Sound Machine, for Dance Yourself Clean. I fucking love that song. The live version is the best version that Danny's listening to. But Bridget's kind of interested in attending rallies and things like that. Uh, And, of course, Cassie, being adorable, decides that she wants to make makeshift weapons, and we get introduced to Stephanie which is basically just a broken handle of a mop and a doll head that she has glued on top of it i love it um and then two boys from the adjacent apartment come knocking the older boy wants to invite bridget over to watch all the freddie movies in a row even the shitty ones there aren't any shitty ones but she turns down the invite and just kind of decides that she's going to be in the apartment tonight um boys decide to leave and they go back to their apartment beth arrives Surprising her sister, and soon finds out that everything is not so great with her sister and the kids. They're being kicked out of the building due to being knocked down, and Ellie's guy left her. So, of course, Beth would have known this, but she doesn't check her phone messages. She, of course, feels terrible, but there's really nothing that she can do. Ellie sends the kids out to go get pizza, but when they arrive back at this apartment, there's an earthquake. This reveals an opening that leads into a bank vault that was part of the bank that the decrepit apartment building was built over, Danny manages to get down inside of the bank vault, and then he finds a strange book with teeth covering one side of the pages and a few vinyl, record, uh, vinyl records. <clears throat> he grabs all his loot, heads back into the apartment where they're.
0: So
1: so so, mm-hmm. yep. so. Just again, you know, this this is a conversation that uh, you know, watching it this time, obviously not being in the movie theaters, like you know, we can we can sit, we can talk about it and stuff like that,
0: you know, this. Mm-hmm.
1: uh so, like, I uh, I would like to think that for the most part in life, right? Like, I, I, I do take, you know, my, my occasional risks and whatnot, but there are times where I do err on the side of caution. Now, I feel like in this situation, mm-hmm. right, like, let's say I'm in an apartment complex, an earthquake happens, thank God we all survive the floor opens up, and I look down, and I know that my, my apartment complex, because we hear it through dialogue, was built, you know, mm-hmm. on a bank, uh, that it, or it used to be a bank. You know, but I, I see this hole in the ground and I see the, a bank vault, like, below me. I'm going in. I'm doing exactly what Danny is doing here. Um,
0: mm-hmm. but,
1: but, you know, at the point where I start seeing religious things hanging from fucking ceilings, a cross on the, you know, like a Jesus thing, like, off of a fucking chain, like, I'm sorry. I'm not touching that fucking book. That's not happening. I've seen too many movies like The Evil Dead to fucking risk doing something like that.
2: Exactly. Yeah, I'm I'm not doing it. Like, we would have survived because I wouldn't have done that. I would have seen there's a fucked up book. I would have seen there's records. I would have been like, wow, cool. And then I would have fucking left it there and then went back home. But, of course, it's a horror movie, so you need to have somebody do something fucking stupid, which is take take the records, take the book, then head back into the apartment, uh, we get introduced to uh, Gabe, the next-door neighbor of Ellie, and also Mr. Fonda, <clears throat> who has a cat that, once the earthquake happened, went up into the air ducts, and he's looking for it. Uh, later, Ellie's gathering up things to bring down to the car because they are out of that building. They're past the leave. It's going to be knocked down. They have no choice. Um, but Danny takes the book that he found and shows it to Bridget, and it might be worth some money that they can get Ellie, but Bridget wants nothing to do with it. Danny then tries to open up the book, but he cuts himself on the teeth on the side then ends up bleeding on top of the book, which opens it right up, where inside are gruesome illustrations that Bridget doesn't want to look at, So she slams the book shut and tells him to put the book back first thing in the morning. But, of course, with her gun, Danny pulls out the records, because he has just the thing to play them on, a record player, and then he finds out that if he runs it backwards, he can hear what's on them. And as the record plays, we hear Father Marcus Littleton speaking to a clergy in L.A. about the book he's discovered. Yeah, you know, that that's so, the of thing. of course, he's so gonna like, a record on the equipment.
1: Mm-hmm. Exactly, you know, he, we see him mixing earlier, you know, which is funny mm-hmm. because his sister comes into the room and he's busy, busy playing to his crowd. You know, I feel like <laughs> big know, crowd tonight. What, what, it, what it, what it, what it does do for me anyway? It kind mm-hmm. of makes me feel a connective thread through the family relations. You know, we know that the sister, yeah is a, a groupie, I mean, I'm sorry, a guitar technician, um, you know, for mm-hmm. a band. So we know that there's this musical connection. You know, the mom does tats. You kind of get, like, the the feeling like she had, like, some kind of bigger life prior to having the kids. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, get, I, I do feel like in a lot of ways, and, and, yeah, I know a lot of movies, like, try to over-explain shit these days and everything, but, like, maybe my one complaint on this film would be, like, A little lack of depth on certain characters. Um, You know, like, we know what's going to happen to the mom. Again, we obviously know it from the trailer anyway. Like, maybe a little more Mm -hmm. development for that character would have been kind of nice. But again, I know this is the Evil Dead movie. I think ultimately what really bothers me a bit is, like, I noticed this time around, the movie's really short. Um, Oh, yeah. yeah. It, It flies. This movie fucking cooks. It yeah. flies, but it's also only a little bit over an hour and a half long. You know what I mean? And, like, in this mm-hmm. day and age, like, you, you don't see that that often. And I know a lot of times we complain about no. it, especially with with horror films. But I feel like the Evil Dead franchise is one in which I don't ever mind when it's got a little bit of length. Because it kind of, like, it kind of mm-hmm. increases the fun. It increases the gore. It kind of, like, just, again, we got so much great character development in the 2013 film, I really would have loved to have seen that again in this one. And I do feel like some of the casting choices, like really like maybe hinted at the fact that that might've been there at one point, because like, you know, you specifically have very uh, androgynous, like the two teenagers in general are very androgynous looking, you know, and, and, and Danny is actually a trans actor um he was yes, born yeah. female he is mm-hmm. now a, a male yeah. um you know f- transitioned and all that but uh and you know and Bridget you know has that that look you know we do know she has the the whatever attraction she has towards the neighbor um cuz she does do her little yeah. like, chicky like peek out the thing and like kind of have that like look on her face like she like yeah. exactly you know like we've seen it in a thousand movies she likes him but hasn't admitted it yet um but like, I feel like these things are things that they might've like played a little bit more with. And more importantly, the demons would have played a little bit more with, but like maybe they just didn't want to mm-hmm. go that route because, as it was, they were kind of getting ballsy with, with certain things that we're going to find out in the film, like, like unborn children and shit like that.
2: Oh yeah. I think they already realized that they were being pretty fucking dark. So <laughs> they didn't want to go that dark, but I mean, it would have been cool. But anyway, um, so Father Littleton says that he found one of three books of the Nataram Manto, "The Book of the Dead. He's seeking permission from the clergy to translate the book when we hear a familiar voice shout out, "Destroy it!" It's called "The Book of the Dead for a Reason!" But, yeah, there's Ash. He, he's in this fucking movie you know and he can and Bruce confirmed but I just love that that's it that's all you're going to get you're just going to get his voice and if you know his voice you're going to fucking be happy to hear him but anyway Daniel plays well, another also, record where Littleton reveals also that he a
1: thing on Twitter though that if you uh, if you yeah. found in the movie he would have given you like 50 bucks or something like that
2: mm-hmm, yeah Lee Cronin said if you could find out where Bruce has a cameo in the movie he'll give you 50 bucks and nobody could so he hit it that, but I don't know. I when I saw the movie for the first time, I was like, "That's no, Bruce." Clearly, here's what he's I guess this. <laughs> like, yeah, it's such a familiar voice, but um, so I was. To I was record, the, little I reviews,
1: to everything else. So, like, I was trying to hear exactly like, what they were talking about. I didn't hear the guy yelling in the background, you know, at all. So it was well placed. It really was.
2: Yeah. I mean, I I don't know I I don't know if I was just paying that much attention, but I just I heard the voice and I was like, that's fucking Bruce. I was like, he's Ash. He's in this movie, but just the voice. But anyway, uh, so Whittleton reveals that he went against the church's wishes to translate the pages, along with Canon Damien Shanahan and Father Hugo Chavez, and he begins by saying that the translation took place on January twenty fourth, nineteen twenty three. As we see Ellie getting into an elevator to bring all the stuff downstairs. Whittleton's voice begins to boom from the speaker's, Kanda, Estrata, and that's when all hell breaks loose because the elevator becomes a ride from hell for Ellie as she gets viciously attacked by the evil unseen force that uses the cables from the elevator car to tie her up and suspend her as it can take her soul. And just as this happens, the power in the building goes out and Deadite Ellie returns to the apartment so she can make some eggs. And then tell them all about a dream she had and where she cut them all open so she could climb inside of their well, bodies and they could all be one the, big happy family.
1: The elevator sequence is, is interesting in that it's very reminiscent of the tree rape sequences that we've seen in the other films. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, yeah, and the ghoul cool girl actually pointed out in this time around too, if you look at Ellie, she's got tattoos of vines all over her legs and that's like mm-hmm. a nice little touch yeah. I felt especially in this scene when you think about it because of the way the vines work in
0: the uh you
1: know in the in the other movies um thankfully there is no rape sequence this time uh, like, <laughs> know, I, I don't think the Google girl ever saw the original film um so like you know like I'm just mm-hmm. like she saw the 2013 movie where it feels like it's more implied than anything else whereas like you know I don't know like I told mm-hmm. her like in the original film like it's you literally watch like a branch, yeah, tree branch
2: goes like, right up there,
1: like right in and out. You know what I mean? It was just like, yeah, kind of uncomfortable, <laughs> and and it's like, yeah, okay. Yeah. And it, it's at those points that you sometimes realize you can go too far in a movie. Um, I mean, I don't believe in that. I don't think you can ever go too far, but I can see where people do feel that way. Um, that's not true. There are times <laughs> you can go too far, uh, but no, oh, there's, no, there's means, no, yeah. no means yes, yes means Daniel. Um, <laughs> But, but yes, the the elevator sequence totally reminiscent of that, and, and yes, here we go. We're 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 in it now. She's possessed. She's making fucking eggs, and uh, yeah, and you know, of course, uh, you know Beth
2: and Cassie and Bridget and Danny don't really know what to do uh, as Ellie then gets onto her knees and then you see her bones cracking and stretching uh, before she vomits like a fountain all over the floor. And before she passes out, she tells Beth to not let it take her babies. So Danny and Beth grab to hold body and try to get out of the building. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of cum. But uh, the elevator is wrecked, and so are the stairs, cutting off any way of getting to an exit. Back in the apartment, Ellie's believed to be dead as we see her body laying on her bed. Gabe and the old man are with Beth uh, in the bedroom. And we find out the phones are also out. Gabe says a prayer for Ellie, um, while Mr. Fonda says, uh, we could probably get out uh, if we go to this one circular apartment that will lead to a fire exit. You know, we just need the proper tools to do that. But that's when Ellie wakes up, plays a voicemail on her phone, and Beth's like, Oh shit, we got to bring her to the tub. She's heating up. So, Ellie begins convulsing in the bathtub, and then eventually climbs up onto the ceiling where she lets out a horrifying scream. The water boils, <laughs> and everybody hears the building. Right? Ellie falls back into the water. Mm-hmm.
1: The goo girl hates movies that have uh, people that like their bodies do this distortion or climb around on shit like that and everything. So, like you know, like, oh, seems sure. like this. Like, she goes into full shutdown. Like, she can't watch it. She can't look. She's got to avert her eyes. She's got to totally, like, hide the whole night. So, now, this time around, though, I'm like, no, you got to watch. You got to look. Look at her there. So she <laughs> yeah. climbs up on the wall of the bathroom, yep. man, between her doing that and screaming, which kind of gives me a giggle. But then the way she just, like, kind of, like, fall flops into the water, yeah. that, too, like, kind of, like, just I don't, the way the fall goes just kind of made me laugh.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: And then after that, she falls into the water. She rises from the water with Cassie asking, Mom, Mommy's with the maggots now. Again, great fucking line. Wish it had just saved it for the movie. Uh, Beth and Danny back out into the living room where Bridget is comforting Cassie. Ellie emerges holding a broken shard of the bathroom mirror, and she stabs Beth right through the hand with it. Bridget screams at Ellie to stop all this fucking madness, and then all of a sudden, Ellie seems to return back to normal. At least her voice does. And she says that she's finally free, free from all you titty-sucking parasites, then immediately pounces on top of Bridget, pulling in a tattoo gun that she's going to use on Bridget before using on her face, but luckily she only gets a little bit of Bridget in the face as Danny smashes a chair over Ellie, which knocks her into another room. So as this brief respite happens, Ellie then shows back up in the doorway, playing a little game of eeny, meeny, miny, moe. Who wants to rot next? And Gabe's like, hey, is everybody cool in here? No, we're not cool, because Ellie jumps on top of Gabe, wrestles him outside hmm. into the hallway before biting into his eye and pulling it out, then spitting it into the older neighbor boy's face, a la Evil Dead 2, where he chokes on it.
1: Yeah, which again, though, yeah, like, they, you know, yep. A, A, any, you know, we
0: we we <laughs> feel like
1: with horror movies, you know, there, there's always those certain tropes that, that occur in all of them. Kids are almost mm-hmm. always safe. You know, like you're not gonna. You might put them through some hell. You know, you might make their lives fucking real, real shitty, real harsh, but you don't kill them. Typically, you know. Um, no. no. I I felt like with the Gabe character, which was weird. Like, and maybe I'm remembering it from something else. For some reason, I thought I remember there being a romantic. Um, connection between Ellie and Gabe. Um, Which I kind of feel like with the whole, it, it felt like it could have been like a subplot like in there, even the, like the very lightest, like, like they might've just fucked once, like, you know, after the husband left, yeah. like maybe there's like a line between mm-hmm. her and Beth, where Beth's like, well, why did he say that or whatever, you know? And she could be like, oh, you know, I was lonely one night. um And now he's like, kind of like, you know, always looking out for me or whatever it is. Uh, but either way, whatever. um mm-hmm. But yeah, so, so him getting brutally killed, but the two boys. The kids, I'm like, oh, fuck, mm-hmm. because, you know, first you have the one who's choking to death, and I'm like, oh, all right, that's, that's not so bad. But then through the fucking peephole, we watch the other kid run away and then just get <laughs> thrown against the wall without any fucking arms. And it was like, oh, fuck, he gets his, arm
0: ripped off. Every,
1: <laughs> his arms are ripped off. It's like, oh, shit, nobody's yeah. fucking safe, are they?
2: Oh, my – I fucking love that moment because you're you're still kind of reeling from what just happened, from Gabe getting his eyeball ripped out to getting it spit into the older kid's fucking mouth and him choking on it. But then you have this kind of silence where the kid's in the hallway and you're watching it all through the people, And then all of a sudden, he's like, oh, fuck. And then all of a sudden, you just see Ellie fucking stomping after him. And the next time you see him, his fucking arms are ripped off and he's landing in the fucking doorframe. He's like, oh shit, kids are not safe in this movie. Everybody's fucking up for the fucking chopping block. And then Mr. Fonda uses his shotgun, but not for long because Ellie takes him out too. Um, so then we get Bridget blaming Danny for everything that's happened because of the book, and they show it to Beth, and, and Danny just admits, this is all my fault. Like if I had never read from that book, if I had never played the record, none of this would have happened. But meanwhile, Bridget's not really feeling well, and she decides to go to the kitchen. When she starts to bleed from every fucking possible orifice, her eyes, her nose, her mouth, she doesn't know why this is happening, and she tries to drink some water, but it doesn't really help because she's succumbing to dead-eye possession. Meanwhile, Ellie tries to get into the apartment by speaking to Cassie, and just as Cassie's about to let her in, Ellie reaches in and starts strangling the poor little girl, but Danny and Beth come to her rescue. Um, Beth then tells Danny and Cassie to go to the room.
1: Yep. Sorry, it's just... You know, it sucks. The whole fact mm-hmm. that, like, again, like I said, you know, it's like it's one thing when, like, you know, you know all, all the previous Evil Dead films, you know, every single one of them, you always have your typical, like, young 20-something-year-old. I mean, Army of Darkness, obviously, you just yeah. have Bucky Villages. Like, you, you watch as these people mm-hmm. get possessed. You know what happens to them, you know? Um but again, because this was this were kids, you know, they're kids. I know, obviously, you know, the one is old enough to drive, um, you know. But at the same yeah, time, they're, too, they're still, you know, they're still kids. And like knowing now that Bridget is about to like get possessed. I'm a little sad. I'm like, oh, fuck, this sucks. Yo, you know, this yeah. poor kid, her fucking soul is fucked. You know, she's about to fucking get possessed. You know, she's spitting out all this black fucking liquid. It's coming out of her fucking nose. It's coming out of her eyes. We see the picture in the book that's got, like, fucking tentacles coming out of something's mouth. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, man. like this is. I'm, I'm actually, like, for a change in a horror movie, I'm actually, in an Evil Dead movie especially, I'm feeling bad for people.
2: Yeah, and it's also because of the fact that, like, you know, she starts spitting up the bugs and shit like that from her mouth, but then you get you just know that there's nothing she can do to stop this transformation. Like, she doesn't know what's mm-hmm. happening to her. All she knows is that she's choking up all this shit, doesn't know if water's going to help, but you know as an audience member that she is officially under the Deadites fucking control, and there's no turning back. You know, you can't do that. As we find out through the records, there's only one way to stop it, and that's bodily dismemberment, um, as is in the other movies. But um, –
1: so but he says even that, though, Lisa no, but he even says that doesn't stop it. Like, that's really what's fucked yeah, this time run, around, yeah. right? If, if you listen yeah. to what he's yep. saying, he is saying, and just what, like we do know in the other films, body dismemberment doesn't do it. The only film that we've ever actually seen a possible reversal of the possession is in the 2013 movie. And I say only possible for that mm-hmm. because the ending is left so kind of open that you don't know if Mia is still yep. possessed or not.
2: Mm-hmm. And there was a deleted scene that didn't make the final cut where she is still uh, possessed um, and Ash picks her up in his uh, truck, his smart truck, but never got filmed. Just never like they had concept art for it, you know, but never got made. Um, but you know, it, it's kind of over for, for her, for, for Bridget. And after sending Cassie and Danny into the room, that's when she ends up going into the kitchen and sees Bridget on top of the counter and she's eating glass at this point, she's just choking down glass, and she turns to Beth and says, I have to kill all the creepy crawlies that got inside my tummy. I don't like things happening in my tummy, <laughs> but maybe Beth does because she's pregnant, but it's just, it's just the creepy way she says that. But, of course, Bridget attacks Beth, grabs a cheese grater, and then just launches it down into the back of Beth's leg, ripping flesh in the process.
0: Oh, Beth manages oh to so not to so, <laughs> You know.
2: And uh, Bridget uh, gets hit in the head with a pot, but then she decides, after seeing Cassie, that she's going to attack them. So she runs into the bedroom after Danny, tries to attack Cassie, only to get Stephanie right into the fucking mouth where she's presumed at this point to have been killed with that fucking, you know, staffed knee to the throat. Um, Danny later uh, binds her body, covers it in a blanket and binds her. Um, then Beth listens to the records uh, in order to find out what happened. And then she finds out, like uh, the ghoul just said, from Father Whittleton, there is no fucking solution to this. Whittleton fails; his colleagues all turn into deadites. You would think the only way to completely destroy them is through bodily dismember, but, but that's not the be all end all. The only thing that you can do is run. Just fucking run. Mm -hmm. But Ellie comes into the room at that point, doesn't give Beth time to run. Deadite Bridget comes back to life covered in the sheet that Danny had covered her and fatally stabs Danny before puking blood all over his face. Danny manages to set her on fire before she succumbs to the injuries in this particular sequence because Deadite's... You know, like we had said, they don't really die. You just kind of subdue them for a little bit, you know, until you can get away. Um, so Ellie attacks Beth and then finds out that she's pregnant. I'll swallow your soul. And then all of a sudden she hears a heartbeat in her stomach. Two souls. So she's going <laughs> to eat them both. I mean, it's probably one of the fucking – I just – I fucking love that line. Just two souls and it's just no oh shit. Um, I'm, I'm glad Kathy... I'm glad
1: with the way this is framed, mm-hmm. the way this is done. I'm glad that this wasn't in the trailer. You know, this would have had this yeah. kind of had that effect that like I would have loved the mommies, you know, mommies with the maggots now line. Um,
0: mm-hmm. but yeah, I
1: think, you know, I think overall, like, you know, as, as funny as it is, you know, we saw in the 2013 film that you can make an Evil Dead movie and not just have it be about possession and deadites and all this, like, over-the-top gore and all that. You can have all of that in there, but you could still tell, like, a bit of a a meaningful story. You know, we watched as, as Mia had to overcome her addiction, which is why she was there. You know, she had her issue with her brother mm-hmm. and, and the, the fact that the mom died and that he wasn't there for that. Uh, you know, and you had their, their little inter- things going on with their friends and, and and all of that other stuff that occurred in that film, you know, giving them, gave that movie depth that you didn't get with the other Evil Dead movies. Um, and I feel like with this one, you okay. kind of like... You kind of have, like, a little window, like a small little window here where, like, you could take this movie and really look at it as, like, this whole entire thing is an attack on parenting. It's an attack on motherhood, you know. Beth is pregnant with a child that she wasn't expecting. She went to her sister hoping that she's going to get, like, you know, the answers and the help. You know, she's talking about how she's going to be up for, like, lead tech or something at one point. She'll be the first woman for it to ever happen. I feel like the idea of her being there was either to get the advice from her sister that she should get an abortion or that she was going to ask her sister to end up taking care of the kid after she gave birth to it. Um You know, which is why she's so dismayed over the fact that, like, they're losing their place and they don't have somewhere to go. Um, Because it's not a matter of, like, oh, I feel bad that my family members are going to be displaced. It's like, oh, shit. Like, where am I going to send my kid? Where am I going to go when I fucking, like, fall off the bottom? You know, all of Ellie's attacks as she's going after the kids, after she's saying things to them, like, you know, like, you know, I'm finally free, free from all of you guys, you know all of this bitterness. And like I said, when you look at Ellie, you can see like, she's like, she looks like a person that was leading some sort of life prior to having these kids. So like, if, you know, if we're going to look at Beth as having an unexpected birth, you know, maybe Ellie did the same thing and that changed like her life. And we're seeing the deadites play on these things. And I do always enjoy that. You know, we see that in the 2013 movie, we see that in this movie and, You know, that that is where I like when they they take these little bits and pieces and actually give you something smart with all of this gore and with all of this violence. Because it shows you that you can make a fucking good movie out of something like an Evil Dead franchise.
0: Yeah, it, it just
2: I couldn't agree more. Like Evil Dead 2013 impressed the fuck out of me with how good it was, and this one did too. Because it's possible to make an Evil Dead movie and not make it necessarily funny and slapstick, uh, like Ash and Evil Dead and, and Evil Dead Two: Norman Darkness. But you can make a fucking dark movie, and it works. But because we're coming up on one of my favorite sequences in the entire movie, and that's when Beth and Ellie, um, or Beth and Cassie rather, make it out into the hallway, where Beth takes Mr. Fonda's shotgun. Um, and she's going to use it on the door that will lead to the fire escape, but then Ellie appears out of nowhere and immediately has her, one of her legs shot off by Beth.
0: Then Ellie, <laughs> in this
2: moment, while she's missing her leg, tries to make an emotional plea to Cassie, but Cassie's like, fuck you. I know you're not my mom anymore. She's long gone. And that's when Beth shoots off one of Ellie's arms as all the bodies that we've seen in the hallway start to come to light because they are all deadites now too. And Ellie mm-hmm. tells her... Everybody dies by dawn, Beth. Dead by dawn. Dead by dawn. Dead by and dawn. All the fucking and deadites. Yep. All the deadites start fucking chanting at the top of their lungs, "Dead by Dawn, Dead by Dawn." I was like, "This is fucking rules. <laughs> like I just I just love it because you're paying tribute to fucking dead, Evil Dead Two, but you're also making it fucking scary because I can't think of anything more nightmarish than that fucking dead bodies come back to life and screaming, "Dead by Dawn." Um, and, but as the deadites I begin what, to chant this,
1: seeing, yep. Seeing yep. Evil Dead Two as a kid, you know, like that scene, like is something I still remember to like this day because of like you know there was just something so creepy about like them saying it and like Ash like being in a situation which was just so absurd and like that even in Evil Dead 2 was a scary moment you know so yeah like you said like here you have these fucking bodies coming and it's framed you know it's framed less like Ash losing his mind and more like this fucking horrific event and, and it works it's very effective and it's, it is. It's great homage. I love it. I love the scene, and yeah. I, I, I'm ready to see where this movie concludes.
2: Mm-hmm. So as the I chant this Beth and Cassie take a chance in the elevator, uh, which soon begins to fill up with blood. As we see Deadite's Danny and Bridget combining their bodies with Ellie to make what is called the Marauder Deadite, which is just a combination of all three of their bodies together in a mismatch of hellish fucking legs and arms, Um Deadites attempt to get into the elevator through the ceiling in the elevator, um, but it just begins to fill with more and more and more blood to the point where it actually collapses all the way down to the ground floor because of the weight of the blood and spills out all the blood along with Beth and Cassie. Um, after making Cassie get up and then wake up because you had been knocked out, they manage to reach the parking garage, get to the family's car and attempt an escape, but the car gets stuck in some of the raised-up pavement caused by the quake from earlier. The Marauder arrives as Beth manages to roll under the closing garage gate, but Cassie gets grabbed in the process by the Marauder, pulling them back into the garage. So they grab a chainsaw that they find in Mr. Fonda's wood chipper, and they're going to use this to cut the fucking head off of Cassie, which is, holy shit, I was like, it's going to happen, it's going to happen. Oh, shit, 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 but no, it does not happen because Beth is is not going to let that fucking happen to Cassie. She's going to save her. So the Marauders turn on a wood chipper to kill Beth, but Cassie ends up rescuing Beth by shutting it off. Beth then grabs a chainsaw, and as Cassie turns the woodchipper back on, as she just says, come get some. You know, again, copying off of Ash, you know, making it work. Um, and uh, as I had said when I talked about this previously, the Delta 88 doesn't make an appearance in this particular movie, Blood Rise, you know, the familiar car that Ash always drives. But Lee Cronin decided but to th- paint the chainsaw the same color. The chainsaw was the color, the the color of it, right? So that- Yep, the chainsaw is the color of the Delta 88, that cream and white color. You know, we couldn't have the Delta 88 in the movie because it wouldn't have made sense, so I decided to make the chainsaw that color. Um, so the chipper turns back on, and the Marauder begins getting sucked inside. Danny and Bridget are quickly killed, leaving Ellie as the last deadite alive, until Beth decides to bury that chainsaw right into Ellie's skull, watching the blood fly out like a fountain as the rest of the Marauder body See for Ellie's head gets pulled into the wood chipper. Ellie's head falls out of that wood chipper and then starts telling Beth how much she's not going to be a good fucking mother. You're not going to have a very good life, but that's okay because Beth just punts her fucking head into the wood chipper. It gets sucked in, ending Ellie for good. Beth then shuts off the machine. And now she and Cassie could start a new life together, but we got to get that chainsaw. We're taking it with us, which I thought was a nice touch (laughs) as they leave together. You know, with Ellie just, apparently just fucking having to deal with trauma the rest of her life. I mean, I just I was like this girl's broken. There's no way this girl's coming back very easily to a very happy life after witnessing her entire family get sucked into a woodchip after oh. being possessed by deadites.
1: Yeah, yeah, well, poor little Cassie. You know what I mean? Um, but the, uh, you know, the other thing that I do feel like I feel like they they kind of forget something with the ending is all the other deadites. That oh I yeah. Said.
0: They sure you know, do, like
1: that's totally. You know, like they, that. they really don't like. They really don't bring anything to do with that whatsoever, man. Like you know, like the, maybe like after they left, like they could have had like the building collapse or something to that effect. Some kind of finality to the rest of them because you leave Mr. Fonda fucking game, uh, you know, the kids ever because everybody came back alive. Everybody opened up, you know. They're and, all uh, dead. Yep. So so that ho- that's going to be one hell of a fucking apartment complex.
2: I just. But what really kind of got me, and this is going towards the end of the movie when we see the next morning um, and Jessica from that cold open entering the parking garage on her way to the cabin when we see the unseen evil deadite force uh, swoop in and take her, claiming her soul. But at the same – I just – I fucking was so confused because all of a sudden said, okay, I'm right, all right. So one day later, and she's just walking in the parking garage like ah, – ah, ah, like, you know, like, so she didn't hear any of that last night. Like, what did you take to go to sleep that you didn't hear fucking shotgun blasts and dead by dawn, dead by dawn, and fucking just insanity mm-hmm. happening? Like, those walls must be super fucking thick, or she just took a lot of weed or something to go to sleep and just was knocked the fuck out. And then oh, when she enters the parking garage, she's just like, oh, no, oh, it's so fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But when she enters the parking garage, I'm like, there's fucking blood everywhere. And she's like, oh, this is strange. And then she sees the car, and she's like, oh, hmm, this is also strange. Like, I don't know. Again, well, it's no, Callie. I'll, she must I'll have smoked some fucking creamy and fucking I'll beat. I'll give
1: them this. Yeah, no, no. They, they, didn't play it. they didn't play it where she did just kind of, like, blow it off. She actually did have a reaction, you know. You can see she is actually scared. Something's going on. She knows, like, you know, some mm-hmm. bad shit occurred. You know, it doesn't mean she could stop yeah, it, and you it, know, does, and it, and it does go to show that the dismemberment doesn't work. I mean, we literally put the Marauder through a wood chipper. Ellie and company are as dismembered as dismembered can get, yet that spirit is still there, still alive and ready to possess.
2: And that's what's always been so interesting to me about the Evil Dead movies is that it's it's not the possessed people that are necessarily, like you said, like stopping them and chopping them up and and putting them into, like, dust – That's not going to stop the evil. The evil is out because you said the words. And now the evil is an unseen force. You never get a chance to see what the evil looks like. And luckily, Sam Raimi never wanted to show what it looked like. Because I think that would have been a huge mistake to, to give the unseen force an actual body. Because I think it just works better as like it's the fucking air. And once it's mm-hmm. out in the open, you can't stop it. You know, you can't. It's not like you could put it back in the book by saying some words. You know, you can't. It's out. So it doesn't matter. If, all, if you kill the, all the deadites and blew them up, and it just doesn't matter because there's always more evil out. As we see Jessica succumbing to, you know, the evil dead force as they, they close out um, and end the movie. So that's what I've always loved about the evil dead movies, that it's never over. You might think, even the first evil dead movie, Ash, you know, destroys the book, destroys his friends, it's fucking daytime, he walks out of that fucking cabin thinking everything's fine, and then he gets hit from behind with that evil dead force. It just mm-hmm. it's never fucking over. Right? You, you know? I, I, I love it. They never
1: go away. Spirits don't die, you know? No. These things are, you know, a demonic entity from, from another realm that, you know, it's almost like a... Uh, from beyond, you know what I mean? Where, where these things are around mm-hmm. us yeah. at all times. It's just that there's some kind of like invisible veil that separates us from them. Mm-hmm. And reading from this book is what makes that veil open up for just a little bit. And that's all it takes to bring them in and create all kinds of, of, of problems, obviously.
2: Yeah. You just, you don't speak it. And that's why, you know, I think that I would be fine in a fucking evil dead movie universe because I just never would read the book and turn on the fucking player to hear the words. Like, no, that shit's fucking haunted. Like, I'm not doing that. And just fucking leave it alone, <laughs> no problem. But, but in horror movies, you have to have, like I said, an idiot to fucking read from the book like Ash or lets the fucking tape play like Ash, you know, because Ash is a big fucking moron. And that's what Bruce has always said about Ash. He's a fucking idiot, but he's a hero <laughs> because at least he tries. But um that was Evil Dead Rise, and with the success of Evil Dead Rise from last year, because it did make a lot of money uh, in its uh, theatrical release, uh, Sam Raimi said that every two to three years he'd like to make another Evil Dead movie, you know, and, and have them out. And Bruce Campbell's all about that too. And I, if you keep making them like you did with Evil Dead from 2013, Evil Dead Rise, like I'm all there for it. I like it when they go dark, and I like it when they're just unapologetic with killing kids and just doing whatever they want. Um, but as we close out tonight, as the ghoul said earlier, uh, next week it's him, his film pick of the week, and we're going to be talking about The Pope's Exorcist from Julius Avery that came out last year. Another movie that was on my top ten list, but ghoul's never seen it before. He's a virgin, so we're going to see uh, what he thinks about The Pope's Exorcist. Like
1: yeah, I said, yeah, got like that I said, crow. Can't come I wrong. bought it, and I uh, just never got around to watching it yet. So, you know what, like I, like I often do, I'll force my hand. And and that's
2: fine. You know, like I said, you get to see it. That's the most important thing, and you get to see it and have fun with it. Um, You know, it's the movie that made me want to learn Italian, because I was like, oh, Russell Crowe can learn it. I can't, (laughs) because it's going to be an experience. But anyway, um, as always, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the show. Hopefully next week we'll be joined by the dean, um, and we can all talk about Pope's Exorcist together. But as always, hail yourselves, hail odorous, hail Satan. Watch horror movies, keep America strong. And, Gould, why don't you go ahead and sign us out as we close tonight's episode.
0: Stay scared, everybody.
2: And just remember that everybody dies by dawn. Dead by dawn. Dead by dawn. Dead by dawn. Dead by dawn.
0: Dead by dawn. Dawn? you won't
2: live to see the fucking day. You won't live to see the fucking day. So that's our advice to you guys listening at home as we, we close out. If you're ever in a situation where you're in a fucking haunted bank vault and you find a weird book with teeth on it and a bunch of records, just destroy them. Don't even bother with it. Just fucking immediately throw it in the trash. They're not worth your time because what happens, mommy ends up with the maggots. So that's our PSA to no. you guys. And we'll see you back here next week. For just The say Pope's no. Exorcist, just say no. Just say no to deadites. Just say no to the Book of the Dead. Just say no. And that way we won't have to worry about it. But until next week, no. we'll be talking about the Pope's Actions of the week. Just
0: say no. Just say no.